Hello everybody out there in comic book land. My name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you could only be here for one reason, and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by Comic Book Click, and as always, I am never alone. Sir, please introduce yourself. I am Dan the Comic Man, ladies and gentlemen. Dan the Comic Man is in studio, but today he's going to be Dan the Netflix Man, because we are covering... Um, with all the heavy, heavy lifting we've been doing lately of Marvel, and then all the craziness that's been going on in DC, uh, we decided to take a little look at the little nugget, the little gem that is the Umbrella Academy, which is based on a Dark Horse property created by Gerard Way and uh, Gabriel Ba. I hope I'm saying that right. The Gabriel Gabriel Gabriel, I guess Gabriel. Some some guy when I was a. Uh... Re- I was watching a YouTube video of some <laughs> some guy reading the comic like over a screen recorder. Yeah. So that, so that way I can like prepare. And yeah. he was like pronouncing your name as Gabriel Ba. Gabriel Ba. Uh, yeah. Uh, only a six uh, issue limited series. Um, grants its own Netflix. Uh, was granted its own Netflix series. Ten episodes. Uh, about that's about the length of majority of our modern day uh, comic book properties that are not on CW. Going what twenty six episodes or something like that. So, um, I guess up front, without spoiling it, overall thoughts on the Umbrella Academy. Uh, Dan, who admittedly had no background with the property at all. As far as the show goes, man, I love this show. It 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 what it is is it pulls me in from scene one, right? Wh- where all of a sudden, it's like four, what, 43 women around the world just give birth. Yeah. For no reason. Some lady jumps into a pool and pops out pregnant. It is hilarious. Like, it, it asks you to give it a chance without really giving you anything. Yes. It, it, um, it doesn't wait for you to either understand or believe what's going on. It just kind of hopes that you do and that you f- uh, follow up. And yeah, it, 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 the premise is kind of weird. It, um, on October 1st, 1989, 43 women around the world give birth simultaneously, even though none of them were pregnant prior. Uh, seven of those children are adopted. That's a, that's a, that's a kind way of saying bought by an eccentric. <laughs> that is a really kind way of saying bought. <laughs> by an eccentric billionaire, Sir Reginald Hargreaves, and turned into a superhero team through what he calls the Umbrella Academy. Yeah, because um, apparently in the comics, everything he was like, or the graphic novel, everything he made was umbrellas. Yes. And so, um, Hargreaves... Why well, is Umbrella Obsession? Just, I, don't I, I don't get it. I, I don't, don't know. It. And I got pretty far in the comic, and I don't think they actually reference where that comes from. But um, Hargreaves gives the children numbers instead of names, even though they eventually get names from uh, Grace, their nanny robot mother. Um, but even though he has seven children, he only puts six of them to fight crime, um, keeping Vanya apart from her siblings because she doesn't have any powers of her own. Uh, Gerard Wade stated that his biggest influence on this piece of work is his favorite writer, Grant Morrison, who's absolutely bonkers. I well, love him. You can see. But he's crazy. Um, and his work on Doom Patrol, which a lot of people also make the comparison between I've this show and Doom Patrol. I myself to you made this comparison that if you can sit through this, then Doom Patrol should be like a walk in the park. Yeah, and funny enough, Gerard Way also works on Doom Patrol comics, the modern iteration at least. And... Um, that's got to be kind of cool, right? Like to make your own kind of yeah. offshoot of something and then it gets so popular that it gets its own television show, but also you get to then work on the, the inspiration of it, on like, the inspiration of it. Like that's got to, that's got to, um, yeah, it's a surreal feeling that you know, like I would love to feel. And with comparisons, you know, the, the two big ones that they seem to get are, um, like I was saying before, Doom Patrol. I guess that's more of the, like the bleak, 
not everybody's a clean cut hero kind of deal. And but a lot of people are saying the X Men. Uh, I could see X-Men why vibes? I could totally see X Men vibes. I, I guess it doesn't help that that Ellen Page is in it. Yeah, right. She's the she's the glue. But it's like everything that was about this show just reminded me of different either X Men storylines or just character personality traits. And it also kind of shows like I, people are probably gonna yell at me for this. I didn't watch The Gifted. Neither have I. No. But like Netflix could have totally Netflix and Fox could have totally done a ten episode, you know. Xavier School or something. Oh, I would love you know, that. You uh, know, a series or whatever. Or dealing with just the original X-Men, the original like um, Cyclops, Jean Grey, um, Angel, Angel Beast. Beast, and I feel like I'm missing one. But, uh, yes. Wasn't Iceman, I think it was. Iceman, that, he, yeah. he was, yeah. Iceman. And, you know, you don't need a big, as you can see here, you don't need a humongous... Um, cast to do it no they just got to be interesting have cool powers you know have cool like character traits like like klaus and his uh how the when the episode starts you see him getting released from a rehab so this is going to be this this episode is going to be a lot more lax than majority of ours because again we've done so much work uh, on on the the uh serialized Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you just had a therapy session not too I long ago. I just had a therapy session not too long ago. So this is going to be a much more um, chill, uh, I guess, review. Not a recap. We're not going episode by episode. We're going to go um, no, character by character. No, that's a little mini pod, you know. Yeah. And the thing mm-hmm. is, the re- another reason why this is so chill is because I felt like this show was incredibly chill. Even I with felt, the end of the world, they're just yeah, like, let's just it get was, drunk. It was cool. Then there's a lot of things that make it cool that we'll, we'll get into. but. Um, without get, getting too spoilery, I really felt I was down for all the silliness. I was down for all the seriousness. I was down for the melodrama. I was down for the uh, campy um, stuff. I was down for the violence. Um, in a in a world where, like you know, not to beat a dead horse, but where we're we're like, well, you know, in the quantum realm, and if you go back in time, and in a world where there's like a talking chimp. And uh, you know, oh, an a, android a, mother, a, a donut obsessed assassin. You know, when 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 things like that happen, it almost allows you to not take the show seriously, but not in a bad way. Um, I've showed you an episode of Doom Patrol, and we're hoping to cover that soon. Here, that was absolutely bonkers. But ultimately, once you took in the bonkerness, bonkerness, bonkersness of uh the premise of the episode. It takes you with it. Like, as long as you're no, willing to I go, enjoyed that, it that will that take entire you entire episode, because it, it just kept going from this to that to this. And right. By the end of it, you see a reveal, and it's just like, holy crap, what? Right. And, and that was a lot of these episodes where it's just like, holy crap, what? When you rewatch the series, and you realize how much is actually just put in episode one, how much they're setting up. No, um, I said that the other day when I was trying to show someone um that that donut shop fight scene in episode one. I think I was in like episode. I think I went through episode two and three, and I'm like, wait, yeah. I can't find it. I can't find it. Yeah, I had to go all the way back to episode one and realize, holy crap, this episode is compact. Yes, there's a lot that goes on in this. Yeah. Um. But yeah, before we get into I guess specifics, want to let everybody know the the Umbrella Academy, the the book that this is based on is the Umbrella Academy Apocalypse Suites. Uh, which was released by Dark Horse Comics between September 14th of uh, 2007 and, and uh, February 20th of 2008. So this book that this was uh, based on, and I, I'm pretty sure you want to say very loosely based on this. Very. 
I um I try to put uh Dan as we as we are one to do we try to look at the source material of these um oh no it's I like I like that because it, it's I like to go by like the books and the the source material don't matter insofar as adapting every single piece of writing yes. every panel every page from a book you do not have to adapt everything because there's just a lot of internal monologues that are written that you can't visually right, show exactly but I do want to see what the differences lie between the shows and the movies or sorry the shows and the books or the shows and the books and the movies like right that's what i like to see so i wanted to read this i was actually very uh curious to read it especially since when we did kick-ass i enjoyed the entire eight issue series that i read yes um this the the book how many issues six issues I six, think, yeah. yeah six issues that, that's that's very short. That's a, 139 pages. Yeah, that's all. a vo- it's a volume, you know, um, and volumes very rarely have the stakes that that limited series has, which is basically the apocalypse, the same thing as the show. Um, how it handles it is very different, and I think it's also, I think ultimately what's the most interesting when going from the source material to the show is looking at what they chose to elongate and what they chose to say, you know, we could do a whole plot. No, that. that's what I do, do whole... appreciate from the show. Like the show's end is that there's a lot of small little moments in the book, especially like book issue two and issue three. There's a lot of these little moments where it's like, holy crap, they made a whole episode on this. Yeah. So I like that. But I also like how the show did um, extend more moments that I wanted to see extended in the book. Like the funeral was a lot different in the book right. than it was in the movie and but it also hit some points and you're like oh i remember when that happened <laughs> like yeah that you know that's and the, whole the whole uh hatred of vanya like that whole like a vanya and diego like the way they mince their words in one of the episodes it's the same thing but at least in this episode at least in the show there's a reason for it yes from what i read so far it's like there was no just, they just hated yeah. her well they also all have a sort of a resentment because of that book Right, no, my, yeah, like uh, super that was extraordinary. Yeah, or whatever, she like wrote. Every, or I think she like wrote everything to paint them as bad guys. Yeah, which is funny. In the show, the 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 review on yes. the book flap was written by Gerald Way. Gerard ah, Way. that's pretty good. That's that pretty whole good. little book flap was written by him. I, that's pretty good. Like the one that when they say like when the, she, in the when you read when it's what Ellen Page forward, the inside. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. Ellen Page is reading it, yeah, that that's whole thing was written by fun. Way. Oh, and we we spoke off air about this, but um, the um t- title card, I guess you would call it, best part of the show for me. How they're able to place the logo and the um name of Umbrella Academy on cups, on <laughs> actual umbrellas, signs in the background. My favorite one was I think was like it, I think maybe episode five or six in the cold opening where the all the kids are, the adults are around the room. Yeah, and then an umbrella just. Opens randomly. Oh yeah, and Klaus, and, jumps. And Klaus jumps up, and you just see it says "Umbrella Academy" on it. That is my favorite way yeah. to show the logo. That was that was brilliant. That was the most intrusive. The logo it was like really meta at that point. Yeah, because now they can see it. They may not see the logo, but they can see the same umbrella that we were. Yeah, so we're, we were it's like we both live in that same time as them. Um, one of the things that I think makes the show um, stand out and, and makes it very interesting to watch is the music that is used. Yes. Um, the licensed music. We'll talk about licensed music up front first. But when you think of licensed music, when you think of some of the scenes of this um, that were backed up with licensed music, what are some of your favorites? Uh, Istanbul by uh, There Were Kings. I think the band's <laughs> they name might is be There Were Kings. Oh, They Might Be Giants. Yeah. I was like, They yeah. Might Be Giants. Yeah. Yeah, because it just, 
it I've never heard I, I've heard of songs that sound like it in many ways. Yeah. Especially like it's weird to say pop because but pop music from the like the 60s especially if it's from like UK have that very similar sound. Yeah. But when it just it, it just came out of nowhere with with number 5, you know, donut shop fighting these guys and it's just like it, so many things are in my head. One, wow, this is like a James Gunn work. Yeah. Two, wow, we need Damon Wayne in live action. And yeah. three, wow, I need to add this to my phone. <laughs> Instantly. Uh, I knew the song, oddly enough, because it was on Tiny Toon Adventures. No way. Yes. Tiny Toons, <laughs> Tiny Toons was weird because it, it dealt with a lot of like, it, it dealt with adult things and then like played it no, off. When you get older, as you realize, things. yeah. Right. And it, it used to have this episode where it, it had adult music in it. I know what you're. I and know the episode you're talking just do, about. They would just do music videos with that look. With I don't know how to, how to even describe it's that. It's a bird bunch looking. of weird stuff. But they had like they did um nothing compares to you by Sinead O'Connor, uh, which that's not child at no, all. Like no. And the and if I'm not mistaken, the woman who sang it had cut her hair bald. Like it was probably like one of the ducks. No, and yeah. So she was bald singing the song. So it's very meta, but too meta for me. I'm too young to know what's going on here. But I never forgot the song that said Istanbul was Constantinople. I, now it's now Istanbul, Istanbul, not Constantinople. I remember that as even a kid, and um, and even the you know, and in no New York, it's called New Amsterdam. I never forgot that. And when I just like Yakity Yakity Yak is another song. Yakity Yak, that, don't talk that. back. That was yep. another song that was in that show. And so those songs I've always kept in my mind, but the way they were able to use it, I thought, oh my god, it was amazing. No, it was brilliant. It's like it's like they understood music for some reason, it, and it blended so well. Like, um, what what's what's that song? Um, from your favorite, one of your favorite scenes, the dance scene. Oh, let me talk about that a little bit. That that song, first of all, uh, I think we're alone now by Tiffany. Is now on my phone. A lot of these songs are on my phone. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, so. I've actually gotten the score on my phone as well. Um, I, I did not expect that song. I did not expect that scene. That scene to me is a level of genius that I can't even express. And the weird thing is, though, and I'm glad that we're able to do this because I everywhere I look, I'm not hearing my opinion. There's a lot of people that felt like that dance scene was forced. And I did not feel that. I, no, I agree with you. It's not forced at all. I very much found myself going, is this what they're doing? This is what they're doing. Am I down what they're doing? I'm down what they're doing. Worst part is I've done what they've done. The second that I've heard the door to my house close, yeah. I, I have walked to every single room. I've seen nobody in my house. I will blast music and dance in the kitchen of all yeah. places I dance in the kitchen. So it's like I... I understood what they were feeling, especially coming from like knowing of their father's death. I and they understood. had all just kind of like didn't they told fight each with each other? other? Yeah, yeah. They, weren't they fighting with each they other? They had all just told each other off. They had all been very mean to one another. And the the schlubby, exhausted way that Ellen Page is dancing, like just, just I want to dance. Like I, I can feel the music, but I'm also having a bad day. <laughs> so I'm not gonna let this bad day stop me from dancing, of course. But it, the day kind of sucks. Diego was the best part. Oh, uh, Diego, Diego killing was it. The- Best. Even Klaus dancing with his father, technically, with the urn. Yeah, well, that, and then he, I, I, think, well, I think he knocked it over. Yeah. Oh my God! All that's all of that stuff. Luther uh, hitting like the ceiling because he's too damn big. Um, <laughs> but, 
And then the pullout shot where you can see the entire house and how they Yeah, that was probably one of the best shots of the entire series. It's just like it you could you know it's CGI, but just the way it pulled out and you see all the rooms and they're all dancing simultaneously. Yeah. It's like you want to say you want to jump into the screen and say, guys, just go to the living room and do it together and I swear you'll feel better. Yeah, right. It's like you just want to give each and every one of them a hug yeah, they every are, episode. They're 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 definitely separated. Even if, like almost to the last moment, they they are not all on the same page about what what should happen. And to tell you the truth, that level of flawed, you know, family, I kind of relate to. Relate to. Yeah. I I feel like all families are flawed in a way. Your family's just broken in the way that you know that you're. But the way that with. they came, that, that I I get that they weren't like technically on the same page of what they're gonna do at the end. Like that, like some people were just like, oh, I don't know, yeah, maybe we should do this. The fact that they all sacrificed everything was just great. I'm trying to be as vague as I can for oh, till we yeah, hit yeah, yeah. till we hit the spoiler line. Um, matter of fact, yeah, we're gonna lift that. We're gonna lift that right now. We're gonna we, lift the spoiler. We gave the people a good 15 minutes of of a uh, spoiler free. So, if you have not seen the show, I suggest watch it. Oh, yeah, uh, I recommend it char- 10 out of 10. I think it's charming. I think yeah. it's a show. It's bold. It's bold. I think I think that it doesn't act, It doesn't apologize. If you don't like it, you're not going to like it. Like, if you start seeing the beginning of it, I saw somebody that was like, the first episodes are very slow. And I didn't feel that way because I felt like the this, this show was trying to romance me. Yeah, I, it wasn't trying to just take off all my clothes. Shows. Like, it was trying to be like, nah, you know, get to know me. And stuff like that. And I, in it. I did, and I I think that a lot of this, I think that the cast is so talented one, but so um, different in their variety that somebody has to hook you, right? With everyone in the show, I feel like somebody has oh, to 100%. hook you. There is no way that even the bad guys won't be able to hook you. And even Kate Walsh is interesting. And you'll find one and just follow that one for ten episodes like that. That's enough. That was enough for me. And if you, <laughs> if you don't think that you like the show. I'm just gonna tell you right now, you should watch it because Kevin Owens is in it. Yeah. Oh yes. Um, Cameron Britton, my Kevin Owens. Uh, guy looks just like damn Kevin Owens. Um, I, I like I said, like, like we were saying, you know, we kept the the, the music spoiler free. Those were both from the first episode, but let's go a little further. Um, I really, really liked um, Nina Simone's Cinnamon. Yes. Um, what they, which they played when um they were in the academy when Hazel and Chacha goes to the academy. Oh yeah, when they were attacked, when they attacked it, looking for uh, number five, and they got Klaus. Yes, um, I really dig, and I think I hit you up about this. Um, this year's love with yes. Patch. Yes. Um, that was sad, man. Diego goes through some stuff. When we go into our characters, in those first four episodes, I think Diego had it hard. No, you you are <laughs> not even wrong. Like the way, especially the way they showed it. Yeah, they show of all the characters, they show Diego having the most of his heart on his sleeve. Yeah, and he definitely, um, he definitely went through it. But that the way that they were able to use that music, and again, um, songs that you know, songs that you don't. I think they that mu- that song really resonated in that scene, um, especially considering that we had not seen a lot of what. Um, Detective Patch and Diego's relationship was. Yeah, we just have to so assume So in that, that moment, are... from that death, and from the little bit that we saw before, but mostly from his reaction to that, we were able to see how much this person meant to him. Uh, underlaid by this beautiful music, I felt like... Uh, yeah, I think it was like, like uh, subtly said that they were like, they used to be partners. He was in the, the police academy. He was training to be a cop. 
Yeah. So they probably like met in the police academy and just did like they probably were, like really good friends. But yeah, that that death scene was was sad. Same for like uh with the with the mom. How did you feel about Oh, um, since you're looking at the music. Well, what was the episode where they burned down the lab? Oh, Run Boy Run oh or Oh my gosh. No, I think it was It has to be after um Oh, it's uh, Shingling by Tom Swoon. Hazel and Chacha get high and start a fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is probably the most, like, by that point, if you're not in on the show, I don't know what to no, tell you. That, that, I remember hitting you up just telling you that this scene is like that, absolutely so, Yeah, you brilliant. told me that that's the scene that sold you on. Yeah. And it's just that, like. It, I'm hooked. I, there's no way. Four episodes in. This is hilarious. They're, they, they're eating his brownies, thinking it's his actual food, not yeah. knowing that, it, that it's pop brownies. And they were already ridiculous as characters. Yeah. And so the idea that they would get high and just ride that, like still do what they have to do, just ride the high and just be high while they do it, was very and that tracking shot in like into the 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 room of the lab that you just see them have their hands in the air while the fire is going and dancing. They're so pleased with themselves (laughs) in the entirety of that. It's really really funny, especially when they put on the masks. It's even worse and more surreal somehow. Oh, it was such a it was such a great scene, bro. I just I knew that there was no way I wasn't finishing this show, even if I knew that I had to that we were covering it as an episode, even if we weren't. And you just told me watch this show. There was no way I wasn't continuing the show because of that scene alone. I have an axe to grind um, that I'll grind right now. So we're gonna put it a halt to um, because my my actual favorite musical moment um, probably goes a little bit more into. Uh, cinematography, what they're able to do with the shots they choose on this show. Yeah, I know you were enamored by the color palette, especially when they would go. Um, oh God, it, was, it went from neon to like muted. Most of the flashbacks are are warm. Yeah, they glow. Uh, majority of the stuff in the in the mansion is muted, like you said. But whenever you would go to places like the donut shop, it's it was pastel. You know, there was so much pink, so much blue. Yeah, it was like every time, like you went to uh, to um. Where was it? Whenever they were at night, and you see like Klaus's scenes, right. green neon all yeah. around, and I'm just loving it. Like wow, like you're really blending all these weird type of palettes that you wouldn't think would go together. Yeah. Just each speak to every scene you're watching. Yeah. Um, but the act I have to grind is uh, probably um, a musical moment that I didn't like too much. Were there any musical moments you can think of off the top of your head where you're just like, either this is too on the nose, or this is the wrong song for this? Uh, honestly, no. Mine, and it honestly probably is just a timing thing. Can I get all the uh composers in the room for a second? All right. We don't have to use Don't Stop Me Now anymore. All right? Can we just oh, no. put Don't Stop Me Now down? And I'll explain why. Um, First <laughs> of all, it has not been used to the heights that it was used in Shaun of the Dead yet. True. That is, that the is the Don't Stop, Don't me, Stop now. me Now Musical scene. moment. Yeah, that's... And so, since that movie, I've always had that song on my phone, and I like it. I think it's weirdly structured. It's not structured like a normal song. Yeah. And I think that the tempo is really fast. Freddie Mercury is an amazing vocalist, and the the ability to literally just keep topping himself in the high notes as the song progresses is amazing. But I saw that. Then I saw it in here... I saw it in a couple other places. It's in Shazam as a, as a montage. Uh, so after a while, it's just like... As a montage? Yeah. That's weird. That's what I'm saying. No. Like, after a while, it's just like, 
I don't becomes know, jarring to you. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know if this has the meaning that you guys want it to have anymore. I feel like, I feel like in Shaun of the Dead, it was there because of how absurd it is. And it was also because he accidentally plugged it. Well, in accidentally, like he turned on the lights to the play ju- the pinball the machine, and the jukebox yeah, turned on. Right, and so it was a random. Yeah, it was just that's British. the that was why the song worked for that scene because yeah. the. We weren't that you weren't having a song that's supposed to like speak to the scene of the of it with its lyrics. Yeah. It's supposed to just be a random song plays out of nowhere, and now there's a zombie. In here. Right, it could have been it's raining, it's raining men. It like, could have been it's, anything. It's for the just juxtaposition of and the fact of how absurd and out of nowhere the song is is what enhances the scene. So I understand why. Which which is probably the same reason why they used uh, that shingling song for the high moment because it was so out of place. It was like a Hispanic. Kind of yeah. reggaeton, reggae kind of song. Yo, I thought it was reggae for a second. And so it was like, what are, what are they doing here? Like this, what, what are they about to do? What are they doing? Oh, they're high. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like oh, the very threatening assassins are high. Um, another one that I know we spoke to about a little bit off air is Barracuda. I'm about done. Oh, with Barracuda. I see that. I was gonna, I was gonna mention because I started thinking about it in my head. Mate, wait, was this Barracuda? Yeah, Barracuda. Barracuda can't do it anymore. There's other ways can't. to make All your right. female. Uh, protagonist or even antagonist i think what i what i liked about what 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 made me not hate barracuda in this was just ellen page's presence okay i don't know what it was about ellen page's presence with the white eyes and and the suit with that like like uh square tie yeah it just worked for me yeah but then I start. Then you mentioned that Barracuda is in like every female empowering moment, and I started it's thinking. Just, I, I started like thinking shorthand. about it, and yeah. you're right. It I just feel is. like it's shorthand. It's like we don't have to tell you she's badass. This is a badass woman singing this song, and the song sounds badass. So just link those two. But it's also the, that guitar solo at the end. That I can never go wrong with that guitar solo. I, I love yeah. it. I do. Oh, that yeah, that riff is is iconic. Highly iconic. Um, but yeah, I guess if we were going to go with music moments we didn't like, it would be the fact that Barracuda was, it, just because Barracuda was used. Yeah. Like, I, I would have taken any other slow song. And it shouldn't, like, surprise us that these songs are good because, or this, this soundtrack is good because Gerard Way, I, I we kind of buried the lead here, is the lead singer for My Chemical Romance. Yeah. Um, so, even in, I, were you able to read the forward in... I think it's in the uh, Apocalypse Suite where it says, like, Gerard Way used to draw when he was a kid, and now he makes comics. Um, you know, he's written, he's drawn, whatever. And that. then at the bottom is, like, he also is in a band. <laughs> <laughs> so they very much did not use the Umbrella, not the Umbrella Academy, the um, My Chemical Romance thing to yeah, get him out he there. wants to completely separate himself in, like, different ways. I get it. Yeah. Same for Jericho. Jericho doesn't want you to know, hey, that's... Y2J is like, no, this is Fozzie, and my name is Chris Jericho. And if you like, like this, you like this because you like this, not because you like me. Yeah, that's all. I, I totally understand what why you would want to separate yourself from your rock star fame. Yeah. And he is talented. I can't say that that even the book itself wasn't like written by someone with talent or inspiration from Grant Morrison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I, yeah. You can tell that there is a genius in there. It's just, to me, it was just too bold, if there's I, such thing. I feel like... I feel like you are in the, um, you very much, like, from the kick-ass thing, the more that you were able to retain, the more you were able to enjoy when comparing the movie to the thing. Where I felt like when I was reading Umbrella Academy, it really didn't want me to remember anything besides the plot point of the show. Which and their is names. That Vanya. Yeah. 
I felt like they didn't want me to know about like Doctor Terminus, and they didn't really want me to know about. You understand? Know like, yeah. Because it was going so fast that I felt like like none of that was consequential, and it's it's weird that it went that way because a lot of people complained about the pacing of this show, which I had no problem. No, no problem at whatsoever at and all. And this is I coming this from pacing. a person who watched an episode of this show that is inconsequential to the entire show. You know, like oh literally god, an episode the day the that never was that is never my, happened. The day that never happened. My favorite episode. My favorite episode of this entire show. Um, so I that, love it. That is that is funny. That's ironic. But let's um let's talk about the cinematography in this. What what was your favorite shot scene? What 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 shots do you remember going like? Oh, that was that was pretty uh that was pretty cool. Um, a lot of the mansion shots. Yeah, because a lot of the mansion shots they're like over the over the shoulder or like these crane shots. Like you see the, the all five of the, the team talking, yeah. but it's from the banisters. It's over the balcony, right? Like I like that. Uh, a lot, else? a lot of the shots of um, Vanya playing when she has her powers are cool. Like the, those crane shots that follow. The okay, waves. yes. When you and you just uh, see like the, this like force field going through the trees and pushing it and just messing with people far away. Yeah. So I like that. But what I like, I think what I dug the most is I have to say that pull out from the mansion where you okay. just see all the rooms. I don't know what it what what it is, but it's just you get to see like this inside of the mansion. You see every single room. How Almost many? Like it was cut in half. Yeah, and yeah. What, not only do you get to see a large scale of how the house looks, but it's just it showed how everybody is still the same even when they act so different. Yeah. Which is kind of poetic. So it's, that's family. what makes me love that shot the most. It's like everything about it is like, this is what a family is, you know? They just, they go to their room, they slam the door, and then they just dance their anger away. <laughs> yeah. We've all done and this. And they all have it in common. Anybody with siblings do has done this. No, definitely. Um, so my favorite uh, scene shot is the scene in which um, Klaus comes back from Nam. Because they hadn't told you any, they hadn't told you where he went. Oh, I'm getting chills because how <laughs> heartbreaking that episode is. They hadn't told you where he went, and up until that point, he is literally the comic relief for the entire, the entirety. When he's told he had the apocalypse is coming, when, while he's being tortured, he's still the comic relief. He's still talking about keep choking me. I'm almost there. Yo, <laughs> he drank water from the waterboarding. Who drinks water while being waterboarded? I was dehydrated. You know, probably took some <laughs> e. You know, he was going through some stuff. Uh. But in that moment, that look on his eyes, his hands covered in blood, um, he had a, a million yards there, like he had literally just lived a life. Um, and it, the more questions you have, while you're asking yourself, like, where did, he, where did he go? Why is he looking this way? Um, knowing now, putting together two and two, because you're doing it, you're putting two and two together as it goes along, like, oh, snap, those are dog tats. Oh, snap. He didn't that's have an that airborne tattoo. tattoo. Yeah, he didn't have why is tattoo? he wearing Vietnam-style vest on? Like, that's... Every Vietnam TV and, show that you've seen. And if that is Nam, that would explain the blood on his hands. Well, maybe he time-traveled. Maybe that's what the briefcase is. Maybe it's a time-traveling briefcase. And um, and so you're like, oh, wow, Klaus is not only back, but he's back with a time-traveling briefcase. And then he destroys it. But the anger portrayed when he destroyed it. The not shots. anger. The, the way sadness, they shot it. Yeah. You know. Like you and how this above him. And like he literally standing threw over it the, as far as he could away from him. Like. This thing had caused him so much pain. Oh, I love that. And then he literally gets on his hands and knees and just like kisses the ground and is happy to be back. Um, But to see him go from like, what the hell just happened? Oh my God, I'm back. Screw this stupid time machine thing. Like all of those things without um 
without any words. And then the music, uh, the song Mary by oh. Big Thief is one of the most hauntingly beautiful songs. That I is have probably in my top three for music moments. Like that, it, it, you just hear that that voice, that like hollow, high pitched it's, voice. It's haunting. It's very, very. I, oh God. And there's not many instruments in the song. It's just a piano, and so it's a very quiet moment in a, somebody's mind that. I mean, no offense, we didn't shut up for a while. <laughs> so, like, what what can have the guy who always has something to say speechless? You understand? What can make him cry if torture doesn't, if his dad's death doesn't, if arguments between his siblings don't, if, uh, you know, not being taken seriously by his siblings don't? What could rock him? And in that moment, that actor killed it. The music was awesome. And uh, that's one of the best scenes I can remember uh, cinema, uh, in cinematography fashion. But like you said, again, uh, big ups to them um, destroying the, the the lab because the way that that was shot and then they would do like the, the three panel shots yes. like a comic. Yes, where it just comes down, like the, just each side swipes, like that yeah, was great. all of that was really, really cool. And I guess if I'm going to go three, because really I just fun. have to mention one more, it's definitely when Klaus is taking a bath after Vietnam, after oh, he gets back was, yeah, and Beethoven Symphony number no. 7 plays. Yeah, yeah and you have the lights flickering with the what helicopter What I love sounds. about that is, it's like, I've watched a movie called The Fall by Tarsum Singh and in the beginning of the movie, the, the opening plays that song. Yeah. And I remember the first time I ever heard that song, I fell in love with it. It's become Ed. the anthem of like, just leave me here to die. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's become the... It, Anthem of absolute. Oh, there's this part where it just despair. goes. And I'm just. You see the lights flicker, and every time the lights are flickering, it goes from that that like sound that light bulbs make to literally helicopter like propellers going. Yeah. And it's. Sick. And when you consider that he was already plagued with everything that his powers brought. Now this is a whole other level of trauma, and it's like, what? What can we do to uh, go on? It's like it's one of the most best like ways I've ever seen like a TV show or a movie just portray PTSD. Yeah, like just in, and it's instant PTSD. It's like, oh my god! Like he's even what he can't even bathe properly without just hearing helicopters and, and gunfire. It doesn't make him angry. He's not trying to lash out at anybody. He's just affected, and sometimes, most of the time, when you're affected with trauma. To not theoretically traumatize other people, we keep it to ourselves um, and fight these battles alone. And um, I think that that was it was very interesting to watch him go through that. He goes through so much this entire show, especially when he's trying to quit drugs so he can finally figure out what his powers really do. It's heartbreaking when he tries to get people to believe him, and they don't. Um, let's talk a little bit about Jeff Russo, the. Um, composer oh he composed all three seasons of fargo and so i kind of like his music on that show very nice violin work he has a very nice violin work throughout he has the uh, umbrella academy and vanya specifically uh, are accompanied by violin work but there's also and i think i i uh like likened it to danny elfman uh, in um there's certain parts where it's very whimsical where we're dealing with like agnes and hazel there's really poppy, really kind of like uh, dream-like music playing in the background. I, I do like the like the the violins that you hear every time, like they were at like they're at uh, number five in Kate Walsh. Yeah, right? like that, like FBI headquarters crap, whatever they were called. I can't remember. There's a beautiful, uh, there's a beautifully composed scene of five um, 
saying goodbye to Dolores. And yeah. the music in it yeah. is, is sad and it's um, mournful. And they, I honestly think that between the license music and this music, it puts you in another world. It allows you the permission to understand that you're not watching something that you've normally watched before. You're not hearing. No, definitely. You're not hearing the boahs of a Hans Zimmer score. And you're not hearing the um, trumpets of an Alan Silvestri score. And there's nothing wrong with either one of those composers. Honestly, but the composer for... I put it most to is Max Richter off of you know, off the Leftovers. Yes, like, I, I hear a lot of that like sad, depressing moment. Yeah. like it's in the moment where all of a sudden you they want you to feel the weight of how Number Five is leaving his quote unquote wife behind. Boo thing, man. Oh, Dolores. He was leaving his boo behind. Um, yeah. Now, now it's time to get into the nitty gritty of this. Let's get into these characters. Let's talk about, uh, the patriarch and then let's move down to the kids and finally talk about the commission. And I'm, I'm pretty sure when we get to each character, we will have a mouthful to say. So let's start off with Calm for, for, Calm for, I guess. As, uh, Sir Reginald Hargreaves, aka the Monocle. How's that name easier to pronounce than the actual yeah, right? actor's name? I like that name, though, Hargreaves. Every time I saw it, I thought it was weird, but I've definitely warmed up to it. Um, the Monocle, the Umbrella Academy's adopted father and billionaire industrialist. In the comics, he's an alien. The most the- weirdest shit ever. Which makes sense a little bit here. Like, if he was just some... Because there's a scene where he's saying goodbye to his wife, and he's not... He's doing something not normal. He lets off, like, some glittery... He opens, like, a jar and lets off some, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Glittery that. stuff. That's, that's alien. <laughs> Something's going no, on No, so it makes more sense that he's that, that he has no emotional connection to anything or anyone right. because he's an alien. Yes. Yeah. But, but then again, are we supposed to believe that we as humans are the only things in this world that can feel and have emotions? So it just opens up a can of worms that um, you don't want to think about. I don't think... I don't think... Uh, I don't think that that's... That's what it's saying more so than it's saying that two beings can feel, but one can feel even more when it feels like it's equal to those things. Okay. Like, we all have feelings, but we don't all have feelings about ants, right? Or not like, oh, look at that ant. I hope he ate. I hope he's taken care of. You probably kill it because <laughs> it's just like so this man. thing is in the way. And I feel like with Hargreaves, if you don't have powers, you're just an ant. And so everybody else gets pushed aside. And even the ones with powers that get special treatment don't get the love and support they probably should even, or they needed. Magneto treated his Brotherhood of Mutants with better, like, you know, crap. Like, But we know that he's a genius because most likely, and I'm pretty sure it's been hinted at, he is responsible for Pogo. Adam Godley Pogo, uh, who plays Pogo, is a chimpanzee and Reginald's closest assistant. He can talk, he can dress himself, he can, he can lie. <laughs> he can the best part about Pogo is just... The the ant the uh, what's the mocap yeah when we were talking about it when we were watching episodes together when we just kept praising the mocap work like you see him like ex- exhale tiredness they never let these ant these these uh, animals these these mocap creatures um emote past what they're saying they will let them say what they they're lying and they'll cut and they go to the other person little things that um add are like pauses someone pausing someone exhaling ch- changing their tone squinting because they don't know if you understand what they're saying. All that kind of stuff. All that is very emotive and they don't never let uh, people who do motion capture CGI characters do those things. So every time Pogo paused, took a breath, sounded tired, sounded frustrated, um, it added a lot to the gravitas of what he was talking about and it also added a little flair of like, 
he's also a member of this family. He's also been through all of this and knows all of these people. And um, when he's had to expunge that he's known things, it feels like there's a weight to it. Like when he had to tell them that he knew about um, Hargreaves and he knew about uh, Vanya and he knew about the space mission and all that kind of stuff. It did not seem like those were easy confessions to make. He could have just, like, Reginald been like, these are humans, I'm a chimp. Whatever he does to them is inconsequential to me as long as he keeps feeding me and keeps me up to date. Like, these are his experiments and I will treat them as such. And he doesn't. I feel like there's a level of affection uh, that Pogo has for these kids. Like, there's a scene where, um, when uh, the mother comes back from the, from the dead, seemingly the dead, Pogo fixes her. And he's just telling her, like, you understand why we have to keep this quiet in between us yeah and then a couple of scenes later you see diego uh it was in the the day that 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 never happened or whatever yeah. it was uh she's he, about to tell him right and you see pogo in the back and he literally gives her like a squinty eyed look yeah. and he like crinkles his nose he moves his cheek <laughs> like yeah he gave her one of those you better shut your mouth type looks and right, i'm like right, right. on a mocap that's amazing that was absolutely amazing uh how you feel about sir original hargreaves uh parenting methods <laughs> if you can call them parenting methods uh, yeah he chose not to name any of his children um he never refers to them by name um he he does train them i think at one point he exclaims that they have a half an hour of free range play oh, yeah, every exactly. saturday yeah, yeah uh, free range play is on saturdays from 12 p.m to half past 12 yes. oh my god uh, so you have that um he was basically raising his own little army Right, and uh, according to some members of his family, he had always been anticipating that this family would be needed to to stave off some sort of. Uh, yeah, and he big says event, in the like book, when yeah. they ask him why he adopted, I know it didn't say it in the show. I know in the in the book when they ask why did you adopt these seven kids, he's like to save the world, which is pretty cool line to throw at the time. And then they're just like, from what? What do you mean from what? But just, I'm just here to save the world. Don't worry about it. Before we leave Hargreaves and Pogo, how do you feel about Hargreaves' death eventually being revealed to be a suicide in, that he did so that he can bring all his family together? The lies don't stop with this man, and no. I just can't do it no more. And when <laughs> we get to, to Luther, you people are going to understand why I can't do it anymore with these lies. Who kills themselves to get their kids back together? Just literally call them up and say, hey, guys, listen, I know you don't like me, but we got a mission <laughs> that's life or death. This is above me. But, above does, every, but does everybody else pick up the phone, though? Does Vanya pick up the phone? Does Allison pick up the phone? I don't feel like they will. I think Luther might. If it's, maybe if it's Pogo, if it's Pogo calling, if, if it's, it's the mother calling, leave hard. Don't ha have Hardgraves call. Have Pogo pick up and say, listen. We need you back at the mansion. At least come for an hour. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, this is life or death. This is above petty squabbles. Right. You know, but no, he's like my kids. My kids will never listen to me. They'll never come here. What am I gonna do? I'll just off myself. How funny was that though? When um, Klaus tries to tell Luther that his father killed himself, he's like, "Don't worry, I figured it out." Because I spoke to him. Dad killed himself. And he's like, "I don't have time for this." <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, this doesn't make any sense. I don't have time for this." They had always been looking for an ulterior motive because they said he was too smart uh, to just be go out like that. They think I think the original autopsy report was a heart attack. Uh, yeah. And so natural causes. But Luther would not let that lie, and it turns out that he was right. It it was not um, 
It was the mother poisoned him. No, it wasn't. He killed himself. Oh no, that's oh well, I think the mother gave him. That is what I love about this show and what I don't love about this show because it subverts your expectations. So I love it. But a lot of some of the subverted expectations literally leads to nowhere, and the scene before yes. it makes yes. no sense. All right, so I think was it episode one or episode two when Luther goes to the boxing gym to talk to Diego, and he's like, "Listen, Dad's monocle was missing, and yes. when have you ever seen the monocle?" And then when he leaves the room, Diego unclenches his hand, and the monocle is in his hand. Yes. But it's never talked about ever again. And then again. he also throws it in the ocean. Um, it's like, and what? we don't know. What Diego had to do? What did he Why? do? Yeah, because you would even think that he did that to, like, he did that to cover up for Grace, but they didn't know about Grace yet. So, yeah, it's a lot of, it gets there was no Honestly, there was no reason to show that he took the monocle. It was just supposed to be that murder mystery part of the episode, which I dig it. But then again, it's like, but why did he take them? What was the point I, of I taking think, the I monocle? I think the biggest thing, the murder mystery does definitely, um, uh, does bring everybody together and does affect um, Luther because he's the one that is he's number one and so being number one he feels responsible and bring everybody together and stopping this threat but I will also say that somebody else who took it um, considerably hard was um, Diego we'll get to him when we get there but um, so we spoke about Hargreaves death unnecessary but he felt like it was the catalyst he agent Coulson himself so, <laughs> so that he could uh, so he could fix this but he Jonathan Kented himself from an un- just to get everybody together from an unnecessary death to maybe an undeserving death. How did you feel so about the un- fall oh, of Pogo? Man, right stabbed through the deer. Oh, right to the, the deer antlers. stabs through the chimp. Uh, deer wins, I guess. Deer versus chimp. Um, <laughs> the, the deer always in case wins. Any, in case anyone had any uh, bets on the chimp. Um, how did you feel about that death, and how did you react to the idea that that Vanya would be the one to do it? Is it weird that? That I, that a lot of like the, the the Vanya stuff when she started getting her powers when she started figuring out that she had powers this whole time and that it yeah. was kept like suppressed, it started. I started getting parallels to the Dark Phoenix saga. Were you down with her though? Were you down with her blowing up the mansion? Were you down with yes. her killing Pogo? Yes, I wasn't at that point. Really, and I kind of like that. I don't know. I I like that it got different people on and off at different points. I, de- I mean, that all sounded terrible. But, um, <laughs> but, say it again, please. No, no, no. But, you know, I, I in a very Breaking Bad-esque narrative, it does ask you to put yourself in that position and say, well, would you have responded in kind? And I would have been very angry, but ultimately, I don't think that the enemy is the siblings nor Pogo. But by that time, by the time that she's talking to the younger version of herself, she's gone. Yeah. Seemingly, she's gone. Um, so, Pogo may not have deserved it, but he also knew. He did no, know. He may, he gave her the. He I think he was the one that that got the pills. That was the, a very that was a very Civil War moment, though. Yeah. Did you know? Damn it, Rogers! Did you know? Stop bullshitting me! Did you know? Uh, <laughs> oh, she picked him up and just threw him. no. But he oh said, my "God." He said, "Did you know?" And she said, "He said something like, Miss Bond, you don't understand something like that." And she was like, "Did you know?" And he looked down. He took. He knew what was gonna happen. He took a breath. He knew that she was hella dangerous, and she was gonna do whatever she was gonna do. And he looked up and saw Luther and Allison escaping the, and the he mansion. Told him go, yeah. And he was like, "This, my death is gonna stall long enough That's for that." That's a more beautiful mocap work. Where yeah. were, oh my god, the mocap for Pogo in this gave more emotions than half the monkeys in Pre- you know, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> it, and that's Andy Serkis. I will never talk down on Andy Serkis. 
but the mocap for this Netflix show needs to be used in Hollywood. Um, let's get into the kids now that we've gotten uh, Pogo and Reginald out of the way. Uh, but you also got to remember, man, these kids all have had powers, um, knew from a young age, and were very highly publicized by having powers. Um, but they also experienced probably one of the worst tragedies in, in, in child uh, kind. They all share a birthday. Oh, yeah. That's, that's got to suck. Especially oh at the God. Umbrella Academy, where they probably all got one cake. One cake? cake. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking all, that. And they had to vote on the cake. Or maybe it was Reginald's cake. This is the cake we will have every year because it has the greatest vitamins and minerals. Knowing him, it's probably some plain it's pound ass. It's a pound yeah, cake. Yeah, stop <laughs> saying it. Oh, God, it's a pound <laughs> cake. That's what it is. It's a pound cake. It's an end of the pound cake cut into loaves. <laughs> And given to the children, and he didn't even want to cut it. They, uh, uh, Grace cut it. You <laughs> see, she she has a theatrics for the uh, meals with those pancakes and uh, and all that. Oh, stuff. those pancakes! God, anyone ever make you those kind of pancakes? I've never had. I have never the, had those like kind of the pancakes. berry happy face pancake or the bacon happy face pancake. This happens a lot. I never remember Walter White used to make bacon. Numbers I, anytime I've made face type food, it's always been for myself. I've never had anybody like. Put me a plate of pancakes that has like that had a smiley face and whipped cream and berries. Then again, I am very about business with my food. You understand? I'm Yo, I, my exactly. Food. Like, why am I? Why do I want to look at it? I'm trying to eat it. I'm trying to. I'm already thinking about it. I'm I'm salivating and thinking about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get into these guys in numerical order. Starting off with, I'm assuming your man's here. This is somebody you had a lot of affection for. Oh man, Tom Hopper plays Luther Hargreaves, aka Number One, aka Space Boy. An okay, Podrick Tarly, an astronaut with super strength. He lived on the moon for four years as a mission from his father, um, and he was the only one of his siblings who did not leave the team during. And during a mission, he was severely injured. To save his life, Reginald Hargreaves uh, injected him with a serum that turned his upper body into that of an ape, which is a uh, uh, little bit of a distance from the comics. In the comics, he's injured, and the only thing they're able to save is his head. So they put it on the body of an, a Martian ape. Yeah, I kind of like in the show that there's a whole reveal around it. Like, there's a mysterious of why he's that big. Because but that's the thing. Says, they, they, they barely call attention to it. There's a scene in which Diego throws a knife and it cuts him. And you see a little bit underneath the, uh, underneath the jacket. But no one really calls attention to the fact that this man is freaking huge. No, don't they say, the like, yeah, you've been eating? Like, what have you been eating? They're like, wow, you've gotten big. But no one's like... You need to explain this. You understand now? Yeah, I guess they never cared. I guess right, and because he has super strength, so I guess he would he would get big as his cells advance. I also feel like a less confident show would have had to have that up front. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. Well, we can't trust people to like be still be interested if they don't know what's going on. So, where I feel like that's how you tell if somebody's interested by not giving them all of it and see if they follow you through. Yeah, like see, like for for the book, like what I didn't like was that. Number five is basically just there. Like, he just pops up out of nowhere. Hey, what the hell? You've been gone for 18 years. Yeah, listen, shut up. That's no, that's not important. We got business to take care of. I like that you see him come back and you see him go from an old man to a kid and everybody's just like, what is going on? Oh, yeah. Klaus throws a... <laughs> oh, that was really, really <laughs> Klaus throws a fire extinguisher into the time hole. How do you feel about Luther's ability to be the leader, be number one? I feel like he's trying to be number one in a time where there is no more leader. Everybody's an individual. Everybody either doesn't care about fighting crime, too hopped up on drugs to fight crime, 
or fighting their own crime that they have no time for like a team thing. So he's still trying to be I'm I'm the the number one even though there is no oldest. That's what's the, the funniest thing to me is like he's trying to be like I'm the oldest mentality without really being the oldest because yeah. they all are the same age, all born at the same time. Right. But he I guess it's not easy. It's not easy to be no, the leader. It's not easy it's to, not to, at to all. make the to make the call. Uh, like one of the most heartbreaking, my most heartbreaking moment of Luther himself was was not the lie. Yes, that is that that pissed me off, but it didn't break my heart for Luther. What broke my heart for Luther was when he had to had to stop Vanya, and, and he's like, uh, and, and and the way he had to had to trick her was just so heartbreaking because. The minute you see them together, I'm like, oh, sh- oh shit, he loves Allison, he's going to hurt her. You and were, then he's just like... You were very adamant about knowing that he was going to do something out of yeah. anger. And, and then he didn't. He's like, come here, listen, it's okay, just give me a hug. And I'm like, oh. I believe at this point you actively applauded, because you were like, Luther it has a good heart, he did not do anything to Vanya. And then he starts choking her out! And I didn't know what to do. At that moment, I thought he was going to legit actually kill her. Yeah. I thought he was going to kill her, and I'm like, holy crap. And then he, he locks her up. Even Diego's like, you gotta get her out of well, there. Well, he worse than Diego, even Allison. Not only the person that he cares about the most, but the person who the horror was inflicted onto. Yeah. Uh, she's the one she's that's like, like she's trying to like, push him out of she's the like, way. She's go. like, no, yeah, let, her, let go. her go. She's um, doing the whole guilty remnant but thing. He's trying, writing, but like, he's trying to put his foot down. And a lot of times when he leader, does, and it's hard. A lot of times when he does, they don't take him that seriously. They don't take him as seriously as they should, and that kind of sucks. So, um, but yeah, because it's funny though. But the one time that they actually do listen to him, that he actually is being a leader and saying, "Listen, this is what we have to do," all hell breaks loose, and she just becomes ten times more powerful. Yeah, that's what's so great about this show. It's like when he tries to do what's right. And the and the team finally backs him up and says, "Okay, this is the right thing to do." It just makes things cataclysmic. And what's kind of ironic is is it's not that he's number one because he was the last one to leave. He was the last one to leave probably because he was number one. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. And so with this uh, responsibility placed on him, um, he's willing to sit there and stand for his father. He goes and uh, by himself on mission and is severely injured and they give him a serum that turns his body uh ape like basically from the neck down he looks like an ape and um shortly after that he is given a, a mission in life a new mission in life to investigate the moon because investigate something's the moon. going what is, on what does it even mean something's going on there's a threat that's going to happen the world's going to end and the moon has something to do with it and so um Reginald Hargreaves sends Luther to the moon. As Luther's on the moon, he was doing all kinds of tests and and you know, stats and stuff, and he would send these um, you know envelopes full of readings and all kinds of stuff to his dad. And when after his father passes away, he finds out after thinking that maybe the moon has something to do with the apocalypse, he's like, "I don't know, man. Dad sent me to the moon. It might have something to do with the apocalypse." He just kind of finds out that he was lied to basically straight up lied to um and there was nothing going on with the moon they just wanted him off earth like what uh, what do you think was the worst one from the day that 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 didn't happen or the day that did happen what what realization to you hit more 
I think the I think the I think the biggest thing is the fact that in the day that didn't happen, Vanya finds the book uh, about uh, Harold There's... Jenkins. He she would have outed Harold Jenkins several days before people got hurt, before people got injured, before he even lost an eye, like a lot of that stuff. Um, and so to know that we were so close to that, and then pull back and do it all over again, to know that he was the the definitive uh, bad guy in this and move far away was a little bit much. And no matter what, Luther still found out that the, that the mission to the moon was a lie. But what I liked about the, the day that didn't happen was that you didn't see him get drunk and, and freak. Like, uh, I liked that part, but I just liked his whole realization of everything. Well, where he's just in the room like, it's a lie. It's all a lie. What the hell? Well, that's, a- there was, that was his entire life. But what's interesting that you mentioned is that in the in the day that didn't happen, um, because of some kind of weird thing going on with like flights or cabs or whatever, Allison's still around, and so they're able to talk it out. And in talking it out, they're able to have a share a romantic moment uh, where they do the da- the dancing, dancing uh, in the moonlight. And that's what's like. And they they beautiful. share a kiss. Beautiful. Um, is it though? I'm gonna ask you this now. Do you ship? Allison and Luther, there's obvious, there's obvious, uh, uh um, there's obvious pushback for days and there's days obvious to be pushback able to because this. both of these adults, both of these well-bodied adults, um, were raised together. They were born on the same day, so they're the same age, and from birth, typically, you know, uh, from as young as they can remember, they were raised as but brother and they, sister. No, no, no. Here's where I finally. After doing a whole bunch of soul searching to be able to wait for this podcast, I finally figured out okay. that it's morally not wrong because, yes, they were adopted by the same man. Yes, they grew up in the same house and, and they've known each other age. since birth. But they weren't raised to be a family. They were raised to be a team. That's the difference. It's basically as if the military started recruiting babies from birth. They're, they're not brother and sister by choice. They were in brother. They were brother and sister as a show in front of the whole world, yeah. so that when they're out in front of the spectacle and saving people, oh my God, they're a, they're a super family. But then when they're behind closed doors, they're not a family whatsoever. Like maybe maybe the fact that they're not a family is what makes them a family in the real real world. But just if you want to go by their personal emotions and put yourself into their shoes, yeah, they weren't raised to be a family. And we're they were not. just raised to be friends just because, like, we have nobody else. So maybe we should start to like each other and be friends. You're not wrong. And they didn't have an outside, since they didn't have an outside life, but they still have the inner workings of humans. They're going to have romantic, their romantic feelings, if it's not thrown into the world, is going to get weird. You ever see people, you, never, you don't think the Amish don't do a cousin, cousin, a cousin on cousin because they don't go to the real world? Like, it. So morally, I, 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 but I understand why everybody's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. These are these are families. But I sat through Game of Thrones for eight seasons. I think I'm good watching two people that aren't actually blood related, but are adopted can kiss. It doesn't like make me feel weird about it. It it makes me feel a little bit weird, but I, obviously I'm not there. There are many situations on paper that look one way, and if you're actually in those situations, it's different. Um, the show definitely wants us to ship them. That is the narrative that they're giving it. They're not making it seem weird. The kids, the the other siblings, 
are fully aware of their their and that's what's the best part about it it's like they don't make it weird they they don't say like oh come on guys like We've known each other since we were babies. Or, oh, but come I on, wonder, guys. We, we, we were bathed together. You I, know? Think, I think that they do think that that part is weird, but I think that they're used to it. It's one of those things is like, oh, yeah, I'm still, they're still doing that? Like, yeah, you had a thing, didn't you? Like, but like but the those. way that they, they – I guess the, you could say the delivery of the actors and the way the director told them to deliver that line. To me, it's, it, I interpret it as they long since accepted the fact that, hey, you know, you guys ain't blood. Do what you want. You're consensual adults. Yeah. But once, but I can see the other side of the argument as, but they're adopted brother and sister. It's like, but you guys are putting a title on something that should not have a title. Yeah. Um. And it's what what I find heartbreaking about that that moment of them dancing and kissing is yeah. that was his resolution for the lie of being on the moon when he got told when he found out that him being on the moon was a lie. That's what he used to feel better was he had that moment with Allison. But the then big, when he really had had the lie told to him in real life. Yeah, I was uh, going to ask you how he felt about his rum springer. How he felt about his Amish, no. <laughs> Amish he, getaway. I, I but, love that you just walk into the bar. You, you see this like following shot into the club with Klaus. And then all of a sudden the, the neon lights are everywhere. The electronic music is playing. And you just see Monkey Well, first Man. you see his jaw <laughs> drop. And you're like, he's like, oh my God. And you think it to yourself. What's the worst that you could see? And he's just shirtless, <laughs> fist bumping. He does not care. He's dancing with women. He's loving it. So the thing is that he feels personally robbed. He feels like his life was robbed for 100%. two reasons. One, because his main goal, his main diligence was to um, defend and be a part of this Umbrella Academy. And so he definitely feels let down by that. But then also this mission to the moon being a hoax, he lost years of his life. And he even says to Klaus, I think it's Klaus or Allison, that like I wasn't even able to date. Like I wasn't even able to be, be intimate with anybody or live my life because I put everything on hold. For yeah, he told it to Klaus. So in the day that wasn't, once he realized that he, I guess, had his life back or maybe have his, had his life back, he chose to take that chance with Allison. Well, if, if we go by what I read in um the, the trivia, yeah, on the IMDb is that they take place in 2019. Yes, they show. Did they show it? I I don't. I couldn't remember. I think they did show it actually a date, but I know they, they take place have. in 2019. So if they're born in 89 and it takes place in 2019, they're 30 years old. Yes. So that means when he went to the moon, he was half past 20 in his 20s. Oh, I didn't think about that. That'd be that, like yeah. me right now because I'm tw- I'm going to be 25 this yeah. month. Me right now, my father sends me to the moon. I come back in my 30s and find out that the entire trip and was a lie. And some of us are married and some of us have careers and some of us... You guys don't right. even recognize me at this point. Right. Like, it can... And not only that, but nothing has changed really of you. Really? You're, like, the you're that still left. that same... In that mindset, you're, the, you're this hard-ass, straight-laced man who's like, I'm the leader, I'm the this, I'm and the like, that. like, nah, we've been doing what? stuff while you it's were like, gone. Are you yeah. kidding me? Like, I have, I, I'm a movie star. I have a kid. Oh, I've done rehab stints. I wrote a book. Yeah, there's a yeah, bunch you of know, stuff going on. Yeah. Like, like they, they lived their life as much as they could, and Luther didn't. Yeah. Breaks my heart with that lie. That that lie was why I love Luther more than any character in the show. Because he went through with it. Because he, I feel he went. He had nothing. There was nothing for him. Yeah. It's not that it, the fact that he didn't have a personality to me gave him a personality. Yeah. And that's what I loved. And then when he finally was like, you know what, I'm just gonna be who I am. He's wearing his stuff without having to be in a jacket. Like he felt more confident in himself. It was great. Yeah. To see the confidence rise after that lie. 
it was pretty cool to see. And I mean, it, it was also very uh, funny to see him sheepishly be embarrassed by it. Everyone is, oh. at this point, everyone's moved past. They've lived their adult life. So this is all, you know. Oh, so yeah. Was, like, was, was that your first time? He's like, mm-hmm. It's all trivial. But at every point, even when he mentions it in front of Addison, he's very much embarrassed and all that kind of stuff, which shows you how far stunted he is, how many years he wasn't able to experience. You can, listen, one year of your life spent doing anything that you've never done before will change your life. Oh, no, I went to military school for a year, so. One year of your life can do wonders. Four years in isolation? Who the hell knows? For poor Luther. Um, We got David Castaneda as Diego Hargreaves, number two, the Kraken, Probably the one I, I uh, uh, relate to the most. Um, not saying I can I'm going so, around, not, going, so not going around saying I'm throwing, not throwing knives and stuff like that. And he's not even my favorite. But as far as like almost everything he said, I agreed with. Almost everything he wanted to do, I was down with. He has an anger problem, but he also has a I want to get shit done problem, which I very much relate to. Like he doesn't want to wait for Luther. Luther be like, okay, we gotta, um, we gotta go here. He's like, what's the plan? We're going to go there. He's like, that's not a plan, bro. Like, you keep trying to be the leader in this, and you're not leading. You're just pointing at things. And that's He was not... the only one that didn't care for his father anymore. Yeah. Like, you you actually see, like, everybody else gone. felt the was... weight from him. But he was like, are you guys stupid? He hated us. We hated him. He was an asshole. I But I also that. think he got that because he had a, such affection for Grace. Yeah. And so, in having and being able to place all of his love in another parental figure... He can distance himself from Reginald. Um, I felt like they all kind of dug mom, but no one dug mom like Diego. And I'm a bit of a mama's boy myself, so I definitely got that no, as well. No, he, he, was, he was heartbroken. And the fact that he, in his head, killed his own mother. Yeah. And then he couldn't even talk about it. He's like, you know, I, I, I let her down. And I him stut- even him stuttering. Every time he was talking about his mother and he started stuttering, broke my heart because it's like you see that little he boy just looking for his mother he even stuttered when the house fell yeah what happened i'm like oh my he god he was trying a- to get her out of the house and um he he stuttered there so like that um he's the only one i feel like wanted to be a hero yeah when you look at the family yeah luther was doing what he wanted but i feel like luther was doing what he wanted for dad for honor his memory. Whereas and all Diego, that. as as skewed of a view of justice as he had, he did have a view of justice. He did want bad people to get what they had coming to them, and he did want good people to be saved. His introductory scene is him saving, going Batman, yeah. and you know, uh, saving somebody from I think a kidnap situation or something like that. Which is even more weirder now that you bring it up. That like, because yeah, I, I can see now that he is the one that had like the more hard on for justice in a sense, but. Then I should have seen him and number five do more scenes together because they're the only two that were trying to actually like save the day in a sense. Well, what, what? Now this is was brilliant because you're right. They should have been on the same page, but the writing put them them diametrically opposing when Patch dies. When yes. five's trajectory, which Diego Diego should have been on, directly crashes into Diego's, and it's become I. Why help you? Your thing, your plot got my. Uh, you know, loved one killed, and um, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, um, just his relationship with Patch, which we find out a bunch of stuff about. Like, he got kicked out of the police academy. Um, he's been working with Patch for a while. 
Um, she knows that he likes to go out in the middle of the night and try to save the world. That's very much um, Diego. Like, she knows that about him. And then he gets on her case because, I guess, he feels like she's sold out by joining the police academy. And then he tells her to do things his way. She tries and she dies. See, that's what I love about brilliant writing. It's like the, these little foreshadowings that, like, you, you're not going to see until you go back and watch it for a second time. Like, unless you, like, can have, like, a, like a, a memory, like, where you soak in information within seconds and, and remember it within seconds. Uh-huh. It wasn't until that I saw the flashback when, uh, when, Pat, when, uh, he wanted to kill Hazel and Chacha, but, uh, number five told him, you know, if you want to honor this girl's memory, do what she would well, do. What'd you like about Pat? She had a nice ass. I mean, you know, yeah, other like, stuff. Like, okay, like can we go that? to a more broader spectrum? He's like, what other things did you like about Matt? Like she believed in people. She she believed that there was good in the world. And he's like, yeah, well, then I don't think you should kill people to honor her memory and all that. And, like, and then he does, then they do this flashback where he's like, you know, you've been doing things your way. Maybe you should try doing things my way. And then another flashback goes to her dead. And I'm like, that's brilliant foreshadowing because she literally dies. The episode, he says, do things my way. Yes. Yep. And, him and he saying, oh, but even worse than God. that, she called him. Yeah. And he wasn't home, and she was like, just. And he's like, home. you should have waited for me. Why didn't you wait for that? She didn't wait for him because I would have been doing what she normally does, which is do things by protocol, be safe, be careful, which is not what Diego then does. And that Diego is goes, what hurt the most. Yeah. Where he just he even takes his gloves off. He knowing I know I personally know. That a character like Diego would know the second he takes his gloves off, his fingerprints is all over the he crime didn't scene. Care. He needed to touch, touch her. He didn't need to, to to hold her in it. He needed to take off his gloves and feel her skin within his skin one last time. Yeah. And just that whole this year's love playing with, with with the blood going all over her cheeks and his hand and him crying after just losing his mother. Yeah. Was that's what sold me on that. This is the broken character that I always look for in everything I watch. I always do it. I always look for a broken character in everything. Um, we were talking in the Avengers Therapy uh, session about those characters representing different ways people deal with trauma and grief. And it's the same thing here. You know, like, we have the workaholic here. We have the person that is up about rage. We have the person that drowns themselves in their sorrow and just keeps drinking and keep, you know, we have, oh, no, of course I think all of these, I think all five kids actually in a weird way, now that you're bringing, I didn't even write this down, but it's just coming to me. They might be the stages of grief. Yeah. Right. You would have Luthor who's denial. You would have, they have, um, Diego who's anger. anger yeah. Allison would probably, I wish I knew them. Better. Allison would be <laughs> bargaining with, that's true. With, with, uh, I heard a rumor. Yeah, that's true. Um, what's it called? Uh, Rob, uh, seance number four, Klaus would be depression, yeah. and sadness, right? Sadness, depression, yeah. And then Vanya would be, sorry, Vanya would be. Uh, when I did I miss five? No, 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 I have five last because of that brings in the commission. Oh yeah, okay, so it'd be yeah, it'd be. Oh no, bargaining is somewhere, so it'd be denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Yeah. So I, guess accept- <laughs> so I guess acceptance would be Vanya because she accepted she's nobody, that she has no special abilities. Yeah. And then Ben and number five could both be the final state, you know, death. They yeah. are Well, death. Homeboy, home, Ben is definitely death. I feel like five represents the only hope. Like, I feel like five is the voice that says you, you don't go- have to yeah. be grieving at all. We can go and fix this. 
you know, because um, he lives a hell of a life and then goes back. You know, imagine living 70 years of your life or whatever. And then, I mean, it's the captain, right? And then you yeah. come back and you live it all over again. And he's in a kid's body. Yeah. And that is, that, that right there has got to be the probably the coolest, but like most frustrating thing that oh, you can go. I could imagine being you, stuck right? in a weak little child. Yeah, and it, what I liked about the graphic novel is that it says your cells are advancing, your body is literally aging, but your body, yeah. your physical appearance is going to be 10 forever. Yeah. But like, like your body is stuck in a time warp while the rest of your insides is growing. So yeah. can you? that's going to have bad damages. Like, And speaking of damage, let's get into Emmy... Raver Lampman as Allison Harvey. Oh my! I, she was rumor. boring to me. After so, a while, she got boring. I feel me. like she was incredibly overpowered because she has the ability to manipulate reality by lying with the phrase "I heard a rumor." And I think that power is extremely useful. Um, and also, if you watch the YouTube series "How I Should Have Ended," it probably could have ended this series on multiple different occasions. Um, if she rumored Pogo into finding out what really happened. If she, um, you know, rumored Vanya and was like, stop. (laughs) Here's what she should have done. And I understand that that using the powers on her daughter is what traumatized her. But from jump, if she did not like Leonard, from jump, she should have literally went up to him and said, I heard a rumor that you you like guys. You you wanted to move to, yeah. (laughs) Like something to get her away from Vanya. If you literally would have said, I heard a rumor that you want to move away. Yeah. Crisis averted, end of the world is over, TV show, (laughs) ending in three episodes. And so I do think that she gets short stripes because of that. I do think that they did their best to try to handicap her by saying that But they always do that. Not just this show, all shows. When you have them, they introduce these most powerful characters in the world because they're iconic to its source material, but then handicap them because realistically, they would literally be the turning tide of the event. Scarlet Witch should have been able to... St- There's nobody that should have stopped Scarlet Witch in Civil War. You know, like, she just, she just should have just came in and just put that red manipulation crap around everybody, throw them all into the ground. Like, you know, they bring in these strong characters and they expect it to be believable if they get beat up. I mean, look at Professor X, right? He has to get handicapped in everything, every movie that he's in, because if he's able-bodied, he would just win. And look how... <laughs> But every movie, he Matthew has... Vaughn is amazing for that one because he yeah. lost in first class and he was able bodied. Yeah, I think he lost in first class on that one. But mm. Al- Allison is it, it, it's weird because she's like the mother hen, but very abrasive about it. She doesn't come off like someone that cares. She comes off as someone that's trying to be a mother because she has no daughter left. Mm. I mean, she has a daughter, but she's not being able to be a mother to her daughter. So she's like. Listen, Vanya, I don't like you with that guy. You can't date. Go to your room. You're grounded type deal. And it's very hard for people to tell you to do something when they're literally your age. Exactly. And I think that's why a lot of them talk to Five the way they do. Because to him, not only are they, he's younger, but he's not younger. And on the flip side, that's why Five talks to them the way exactly, he does. Because he's, he's not, older. Right. He's literally he older. Look, even though he doesn't look older. And that frustration... Uh, is a parent. How do you? Where do you fall on the rumoring the kid? I'd do it. I, would I do probably it. would too. I heard somebody saying that if you have that power, you shouldn't be allowed to have children. No, no, because it would literally be like, like, like you know, like it I heard a, a rumor slope. you want to clean your room. It is a slippery slope, though, like you said. And at you could get your kids to do anything. We see that that rumor ability has basically given her her career, given her her children, 
giving her her marriage. And simultaneously I'm, taking it all away. Right. And so you must get into this weird level of dissonance where you don't know what's real, what's earned, I guess is the better word, and what was rumored. Um, and I think that that makes her kind of interesting. But again, I don't feel like they did enough with her. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say on Alison Harvey? Uh, I, I do like that she kind of was steadfast in her, not only her defense of Vanya, but in her, um, like, like trying to follow the rabbit hole down. I My favorite moment from Alison Hargraves in this entire show was that my favorite too. Yeah. she literally said, no, it's my fault to the reason why she got the slit throat from the violin. Yeah. She literally said, it wasn't her fault. It was my fault. Let her go, please. We can. That to me right there, I was like, damn, she really. This, these are the moments where I'm like, they are brother and sister. That's a level of humility, yeah. Yeah. Only reserved for love. Like, he's like, no, she hurt you. I hurt you, Allison. Like, she, I don't want to lose you again. And she literally wrote down, it's my fault. Wow. I had, I had to praise her on that. I have a little Allison Hargreaves moment that I really, really like. It's her walking around. Vanya's house, extremely just happy that she's in Vanya's life. It's beautiful. And she's like, come on, this is not even the size of one of your closets. And she's like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is Yeah, this did, is cool. did she try? I remember that she tried being, like, actually sincere with her, and she thought and she was just being sarcastic. Vanya went to go get the flowers that Leonard left in the, in the room, and she goes, do you have sweatpants? We're gonna need sweatpants. And she, a look goes over her face, and she's excited. Like, I'm about to have a sleepover with my sister. I'm gonna watch movies, eat ice cream, or whatever. And it was so genuine. Like, I... I, I've had those um, um feelings. I've experienced those things with my family, sleepovers. You know, hang, hang out cousins like you that. Yeah. seen in forever. Yeah, and you kind of just want to go back into the the what, the age that you were when you guys hung, and um that chill level. And it would have probably happened had they not gotten to the discussion about Leonard. But we'll uh, get there. But I do, like I said, I do like her determination going that uh, route, even though that determination came with a level of um frustration because she wasn't able to use her powers as i probably thought she should have um let's get to the star of the show my favorite character my most relatable character uh, this Rob- is what i get to the most robert sheehan plays klaus hargreaves number four the seance a flamboyant drug addict with the ability to communicate with the dead only when he's uh, sober and temporarily make them cor- corporal 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 forms um talk about klaus he was introduced getting out of a rehab center that he's been in before. Yes. Where they even say, we'll see you again, Klaus. Like, yep. And then the next scene, literally the next scene, he's in an ambulance overdosing, flatlining. Basically. Yeah, basically overdosing. And his, and his friend is the EMT. Because like, yeah, you could see between the both of them, the way they were laughing, that his friend is an EMT worker. Yeah. Or that or that EMT worker has done this many times before. But the second he gets out, he's overdosing. He's taking a pill every five seconds. Yeah, he goes to the house and starts stealing shit. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm just get, I'm, I'm getting my inheritance, an advance on our inheritance or whatever the heck. And it's just like, wow. Um, I think we've all been at a point with trauma where we've tried to drown it out, and that this is definitely what Klaus represents. Um, depression I, of the grief, the state that stage of grief, man. It's like, and how much that stage of grief is layered in ironic comedy that often happens as well where you find things a lot funnier because life is basically a tragedy so everything is funny when you look at it in that lens um uh 
but I, I really, really dug Klaus. Um, I really understood him almost at all points. Uh, even when he was being ridiculous, I got why he was being ridiculous, why he was being frantic, why he was, um, why he was kind of on drugs. Like, I, I don't condone it at all. But like I said, everyone dealt with it differently, and that was Klaus's way of of handling. I mean, time. I don't, I don't know specifically if I would could handle having a power that makes me talk, see, communicate of any matter with the dead. Like, I, I can't do it. And I get that the more that you are sober and the more that you will learn to harness your power, you can actually make the dead fight for you, yes. which is pretty dope, yes. actually. But it's not enough for me to say, yeah, I'll deal with hearing the screams of dead people. All grieving. the time. And we saw, right, with... um. When he was a child, and this this show does employ a lot of flashbacks, but I think they were all used very well. Um, uh, it's used when you need it. Like if you're like, oh, but why why is this the way it is? And then all of a sudden, I, I can do this. Um, and so with that, we saw that he had no control. It was the door was either open or closed with these spirits. Yeah, and it's not fun when the door is open. Um, even though he's able to use, I did like how he was able to use information from um. Oh, his the, kidnap scene. Yeah. His, was, his kidnap was really, scene was really amazing. What I liked was, because it was like, it's finally like, okay, this is the serious Klaus that we want to see. This is the Klaus that's using his powers. Being and you useful, see a yeah. bunch of dead people all around. And he's like, all right, guys, hold on one by one. What's your problem? Yeah, this guy said that you did this. He's, he's like keeping tabs on everything. It was, it was only, very I found yeah. that to be like, one of those like powerful like you ever seen like those superhero power up moments like yeah. Superman and Man of Steel flying or Batman finally like doing his first mission that's what it was to me seeing I'll, him be so powerful I also feel like even though he was probably the most unreliable because he was constantly on drugs he was the most honest in a way most yeah just like it is what it is he's yeah, when also the, end of the world was coming he's, he's like, also the one that says Vanya's our sister like what do you mean you know how scary it could be with having those powers. That the was one, who one of them. It. That was so genuine. He's, I, a, he's the one who says it. And they, like, tell you the truth, everybody got on Luther's case when he saw it, which kind of gives you more hope for the family than most. And I don't blame Luther either because Luther was just trying to do. Had he not done that, everyone would have told him he should have done that. As the leader, it's a so, double edged sword. Yeah, it is a double edged sword because like, it, you're the leader. You're supposed to come up with a way to 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 detain the situation and then infl- then fill us in. Mm. But that moment, yeah, where they lock, where he locks Vanya up into the cage. And they're all fighting Luther on this, trying to get her out. It's like, I just watched the show for eight episodes, eight hours. I watched this show and there was not one moment where I'm like, okay, they're siblings. Yeah, there's moments where they're amicable. There's other moments where they're like even friends, teammates. Cool cinematography moment, not to interrupt you, but I want to say before I forget, when they were running down the bowling alley. Ali Isles. Oh, when they were running together. from from um the the commissions. Yeah, and they're oh. all running at the same time, and, and they're think, sliding. No, I think Homeboy jumps. Uh, Klaus jumps and slides. He, he jumps right into yeah. the pins head he, first. He slides, uh, but the rest of them just run. And it was just shot very the the glow of the of the neon lights With the and music, the shadows the running. Doosh, doosh. The shadows running across. Um, yeah, I think that was the Saturday one, right? Saturday. Yeah. Or something like that. Um, really, really, really good. Uh, the, the, more, the more, more the show ended, the more the show was like getting to an end. Yeah. The more you were seeing them, except the fact that and it just want, it made you want more because then you wanted to see the family. Dude, fight I together. I can't wait for season and, two. I yeah. really cannot wait for season two. That cliff, 
this is the first time that a cliffhanger has hit me in mad. years. Like, because usually I watch TV shows when they're done. Yeah. As soon as they're done and they're bingeable, so I can watch the entire thing, that's when I watch them. And Not to mention, you can't avoid when someone's like, top 10 worst cliffhangers in history, and you watch for the ones you know, and then in the game, spoiler for the ones you yeah. don't. And then that tells you, then when you, once you taste that, you go, oh, I see Umbrella Academy on my queue, but I heard that it has a bad cliffhanger ending, so I'm not even going to. Anybody that said that that cliffhanger ending was bad just should just stop watching everything that's on TV ever. Because <laughs> comic that, books are cliffhangers, man. That's all they do is the to was, lead the to way, the next issue. The so. way it was was they finally accepted the fact that yo, we are about to go back in time, body wise and conscious wise. This is scary. We have no idea what we're about to do, but the world is literally going to end. It's either stay There's here and die. Yeah, left. it's There's either stay here left. and die or go back in time and try and get Vanya figure to be one out. of Yeah. Figure it out. And now we have to wait a year for season two, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, um, and I also wonder, you know, they definitely have books to draw from, but whether or not they will, because ultimately they're still able to um, make a lot out of the very little that they got. Because I think that that is um... honestly, I hope we get a Stephen King it in reverse, where the part one is the kids and the part two is the adults. I hope we get season two; they're all kids. Don't give me any of the same cast. Like I'll take them again if you cast them for season three. But as far as season two goes, I want an entire cast of kids. Oh, we'll get we'll get into predictions in a bit. Um, any more uh, about our boy Klaus? Any favorite scenes we hadn't mentioned? I like what I like the blackmail scene. Uh, my, okay. My favorite scene where, that, he, where he hits himself with the uh, with the with the snow globe. Oh, in the in the office to get yeah. the information Why did on you the prosthetic hit my eye, son? <laughs> and then he smacks number five, and then he takes the snow globe. Oh, and also my other line of like him going looking for the drugs, and his brother's like, "Why don't you try to eat something first? Why don't you try some eggs?" And he's like, "You can't smoke eggs." So <laughs> that was very 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 funny. And oh, and the scene where he's like uh, where he walks out, and Luther goes, "Klaus." And uh, he's like, "What?" He's like, "You're not gonna help us stop the end of the world." And he's like, Ugh. "Like, like what? Like, what? What yeah. do you want me to do?" I was gonna like, mention that earlier. What is? What talk is, about the honesty of it. Yeah, he's like, "What are you? Like, what am I supposed to do?" He's like, "If this? you guys can't do it, what am I supposed to do?" And yeah. I get it. Now, my number one, like, favorite, not favorite, because I like this is the best. Yes. Best, best, best Klaus scene of the entire show was when he was in the the club and he was looking for oh, Luther. Okay. And his and he was already like two days sober or whatever, and he sees a pill. Uh, sorry, Luther has a pill of ecstasy, and he takes the pill out of Luther's hands and he throws it. And he's just like, well, Ben's like, well, I think Luther's like, why would you do that? He's like, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. Like, but what got me is like, he he got so he was having like a relapse, like he was he was getting scared that he was going to relapse. Yeah. He didn't know how to help Luther. And the music was just bumping and bumping. And Not more, helping. He's literally the more in a sober drug he den. got. Yeah, the more <laughs> sober he got, the more dead people were going to talk. But he was literally where he can get drugs by just offering his body to a guy. Like that's. Yeah. And when he sees the drug, he starts crawling on the floor towards the ecstasy. And while he's crawling, all of a sudden the Vietnam flashbacks happen to yeah. when he gets to the pill. It's David. Yeah. And I started to just feel it in my heart. I was like. Wow, he's really going through it right now. And that pill also represents the distance from David that he'll be taking because he can't talk to him. That pill represents everything. That when he was done, like when he sees David's dead body there and he's trying to like like wake him up or whatever, and then all of a sudden 
camera shots and he's opening his hand oh. and the pills in his hand. When he's in the veterans bar. Where that, he gets stuff. That was uh, he one there, of my he favorites. Cries, yeah. He cries to the he cries because he's experienced this war. They try to tell him he's not in the war and instead of just explaining himself, he well, could I mean, have at very time explained he was explain just that? over it. But this is also the same day he came back. No, that's what I'm saying. Could you li- when the guy said they said, you know, this place is for veterans only. You're not a vet. Where did you serve? He could have literally just did, um, guys, so you can see I'm pointing my finger in the air. He could have just pointed just right look, to that picture right and there. say, I'm right here. But how do you explain that? The Vietnam War was in the 60s. Yeah, he goes, Jesus goes, I am a vet, you asshole. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry that you're an <laughs> yeah, asshole or yeah, something. Yeah, it was terrible, man. But I really and, like that scene. But I liked it because of the f- uh, like seeing Luther, not Luther, sorry, seeing Diego and Klaus fight side by side, seeing Diego trying to detain the situation and not be a hothead. Because in my eyes, the whole show has been leading up that Diego is a hothead. No matter yes. what, he's a hothead. Anger, that anger. That, that's what it was. Yeah. But when he was just literally saying, whoa, listen, like my brother's having a bad day. Guys, let's just you know, calm down. I'm Even he's like, I'm sorry. And he's sorry. Like, yeah, yeah. That was very much like he probably wanted to kill that man. But to save him and his brother, he's willing to take a knee. It was so, And that was a level of emotional maturity we probably thank hadn't you. seen it, at that thank time. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. It yeah. showed so much emotion. But that's why I always Diego. dug Diego because I'm like, yeah, because awesome even like even that. even in this even in this pinch, you're still gonna be like, you know, and even how he sat. Remember when he sat down and talked to Luther? He's like, so this is what you're gonna do? They got Allison. Why didn't you say that before? <laughs> oh, and then when when he goes to the bar, he's yeah. like, why did you lead with that? Like, why? Like, why he didn't and lead with that? Because he didn't want you to leave yet. And then Klaus is like, oh. Dude, uh, Look at them sitting there talking together, and then the fire's like, are they going to have a brood off? Are they just going to sit there and <laughs> brood each other to death? I thought that was really When really all funny. four brothers were in the same scene, interacting with each other, it was absolute they're gold. They're so amazing gold. on their own that we forget that they're a family. We forget that they're together, and when they're together, it's even better because that, that they just bounce off each other. They really felt like a family. That's why that, that final fight scene against the commission in the, in, uh, the Icarus Theater. Yeah, because we can't talk uh, Klaus without talking about Ben. Oh my god. Uh, even that's... though we don't know how Ben Hargreaves died, Ben Hargreaves number six, the horror. Um, he's a boy who was possessed by monsters from another dimension underneath his skin. Uh and even though he died, we see him through Klaus from episode one. Uh he is with Klaus. He's he basically tries... Klaus's conscience. Yes, he's sense. the Jiminy Cricket of, of, of this movie. <laughs> because he tries to get Klaus off the drugs, he tries to get Klaus to help. But ultimately his biggest role is we find out that Klaus is able to give these Ghost, a corporeal form, and that with that they're able to be here in the actual and world. One of the and coolest moments of it was when Klaus was just like, you know what, fuck it, fuck, it. I don't want to do this anymore. And he's about to take a pill of ecstasy, and Ben slaps him in the face. Yeah, and yep. even he was—he's like, even Ben was surprised. He's like, you can hit me. He's like, I didn't know. Like, it's like that moment of realization that if you just stay sober, you can be powerful. Yeah, and Ben being his conscience was awesome. To the point where he even used Ben's powers for him. Yeah, Ben is able to save Diego's life at one point when the building when the building starts to come down because of Anya, and then they uh like you said the big Icarus theater. Fight. That was the moment when I knew that Diego and and Klaus had a different relationship because when he was the first person to jump at Klaus's aid, like listen, defend him. Yeah. he saved my life. We have to listen. to Oh him. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in the in the bowling well, no, alley. Yeah, they're like, hey, 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 no. He's got something exactly. to say. Everybody's like, everybody's like, listen, D.A. Hey, listen, Klaus. He's like, whoa, guys. He saved my life. Listen to him. Like, yeah. That, that's, 
episode seven and on, the show really finds its footing. Yeah, well, because they are, they are all united against a single threat now, whereas before they weren't. Um, yeah, so we I, I don't know what happens to Ben because it's not said about what happens in the comics. You would figure that he would just tell Klaus, but that's neither here nor you know, there. Let's get to the two biggest members of this family. Uh, Aiden Gallagher plays number five, the boy. Another really, really favorite of mine. Um, I think he's the best character of all of them. As much as I, I relate to to Klaus, and as much as I favorite uh, Luther, I think the best char- character and cast member I just like, goes to Aiden I like the world Gallagher. that he brings with him, because initially you just think he's a member on this show, but he almost brings his own show with him. He you know, brings, he brings all this horror with and him. And he brings time travel and brings assassins and brings, he brings shadowy all organizations. It. He brings it all with him. And so, um, he's a boy with the ability to jump through space and time, but after traveling to the future, he ended up in a post-apocalyptic world and he was unable to get back. He survived on his, on his own for decades and talked to a mannequin before being recruited to the commission, an agency that keeps tabs on the timeline. He eventually betrayed them in order to get back to his own time to warn them about the pending apocalypse and is constantly hunted by his former employer. But the biggest thing about this is, after spending you know, 70 some odd years being a trained assassin for the time police, he uh, goes back and he's trapped into the body of his trapped in his own 13 year old body and so there's a level of frustration there's a level of grumpiness to this character that's weird when you see his body where he obviously plays it as a 70 year old man i think uh aiden gallagher did some really really cool things with this role and with his portrayal of it fun facts about aiden gallagher you know that the, the donut shop scene yes that he was actually not in that scene at all like the wow. actual actor because of child labor laws, he couldn't do a fight More scene with. Cup, oh. He couldn't do killing fight scenes with guns and everything. Like I don't think he was the same age as where Chloe Grace Moretz was, where she passes that line. But what I read was, yeah, Aiden Gallagher was not actually in that scene himself doing the choreography. Oh. That's why every time you see him fight, you never see his face. It's always behind that the head. It's always close ups and quick shots because he's not. He wasn't there. So. He- once he comes, he's just motivated to stop this apocalypse. How do you feel about um, his mission, but more so, how do you feel about Klaus's assessment of him saying that he is addicted to stopping the apocalypse, or he's addicted this, one, that this one event him has been his, his, his driving... Think so? Yep. Because he's like, it's like, I've seen that look before. You don't know who you are without the high. It's true. Like, once you get that, anything could be a drug if you make it. Yeah. Anything. And when you get so involved in what you're taking on, whether it be films, whether it be music... But it makes sense to Five in that aspect, right? Because if he doesn't obsess over it, there is no it to obsess over it. Yes, way. that's the juxtaposition of it. It's like, on the one hand, from seeing it through Klaus... It's like someone saying, you're addicted to eating. It's like, well, if I don't eat... I'm going to die. I'm yeah. going to die. No, so. it's like, from, from Klaus's perspective, it, it, it was, you, you're obsessed... Now that it's gone. Yeah. He's like, you're still... That's what they everybody thought. It's like, you know, okay, crisis is averted now. We all go back to our lives. What life does no life. What life yeah. does number five have? That's, that is the issue. What yes. life does he have? It was so, about survival, and then it was about prevention. And so now it was about, can you just live? And I, who was it? I think it was Kyle. It was like, just do what you would do if you never disappeared. It's the Walter White equivalency. Because yeah. Walter White was the same way. How many times did Walter White win? But he had to go one step further. Yeah. To where he even he seemingly retired in in episode in season five and still had to be an empire. Like that's Ooh. what we are. 
I think with him comes uh, the commissioner. We'll talk about them in a bit. But uh, the idea that it's a 70-year-old inside of a 13-year-old body, I think, is the beginning of the introduction of things are not what it seems. And I think that with him comes a lot of that. Because you also meet people like the handler, and you meet people like Hazel and Chacha, and I feel like all of those characters are not what they seem. When you see them for the first time, they're definitely not what you think they're going to be. I think the only character that is what you think they're going to be is Chacha and the handler to me. Yeah, because it's like well, the handler I just did not know what to expect from that kind no, of person. No, of course on that, like you don't know what to expect, but there was no like subverted expectations about who they are. Yeah, like with Hazel. He's an assassin. He's a suit and tie assassin. He has a mission, and he has to fill, fulfill his mission. Yeah. But every time you see him on screen, he's having another existential crisis. He's having another, why can't I do what I want to do? But I thought he was just, like, disillusioned. I didn't know he really had goals to, well, like, listen leave. to him every time he goes to a new hotel room. Yeah. But like, they were screwing them, though. He also that, had something to, to bite on. But, it wasn't just, like... Another day, another dollar. It was like another day and it's 70 cents. We used to get dollars. Like, I get That's that. the problem. It's like five years ago, he would never have had these crises. Five years ago, he would have been happy. He's in Is his own hotel room. Then? He's got a nice suit on. You know, he's got, he's got one small mission and he's going back and he's fine. Now the fact that they're screwing them through budget cuts, now he's having a, is my life really worth this? Am I really doing what I want to do? And then he meets somebody. Uh, yes. That that he has that that he has no connection with, no idea of who they are, and then man- manages to fall in love. Sheila McCarthy, uh, who plays Agnes, the owner and baker and waitress at Brady's Donuts. How did you feel about Hazel and Agnes? Oh. Well, first of all, let's let's start with how did you feel about Hazel and Chacha? I love them, Mary, especially Mary J. Blige, because yeah. it's just like wow, you really blew out my expectations when I read your name in the credits. I'm, I thought you were just gonna be like. The, you also what don't the handler go away. is. You don't also don't go away. Definitely not in a negative sense, but it's like a you've been a singer my whole childhood, and now that's you're what it a, was. You know, an actor. When I watch um, shows, like even now, I still listen to music by Mary J. Blige because she hasn't stopped making music. But the, to see uh, her come in, it was just like whoa. And Cameron Britton's ability to to act through the mundanity of the things that he was going through, he like is picking sad a donut, eyes, him acting, scene. him acting, picking a donut. Well, he's like, well, you know. This one has the best chance for upside. And this one also has the biggest chance for disappointment. Yo, like, that was great. What donut would you like today? He's like, I don't know. The cream is, like, too much. Or the jelly's in, good. When he's in the forest talking to Chacha, he's like, come on. What if we just, like, quit? Like, Can't what we, if we finally just... kill who we want to kill? Yeah, like, it was, like it, everything is so mundane. But he's talking about, like, real serious stuff. We saw them cut a man to ribbons. The man that, they, that was at the donut shop with, with five gets hooked chained up and cut to smithereens and all he cared about was the fact that the tuna salad had no mayonnaise you understand what i'm talking about and then uh, my first inkling is when they're watching the show she's like why do you watch this crap and he's like don't doesn't it interest you what regular people do with their lives like he was very much wondering about that boringness that's, of regular life and agnes represented that that's i think what everybody deals with like if you have nothing in your life that is mundane everything is excitement you wake up and you don't know where your shoes are and that's exciting. You wake up and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to have this and this and that. I'm going to do this and this and that. You're going to wonder what boring people do. So after a while, you're going to start saying like, where are my shoes? 
I'm tired of this happening. Like you said, yeah. after a while, you're going to want the predictability of regular life. Something stable, something you can count it's on. It's like, okay, I'm tired of not knowing where my remote is. Like, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be, an, it shouldn't be an adventure to make eggs. You know, that's what it yeah. is. So when you have nothing but excitement in your entire life, you're going to wonder what boring, how boring people are excited. How do you, um, how do you feel about Hazel and Agnes getting their happy ending? I liked it because they actually didn't blow up in the. No, he had the time. He had the. Yeah, he 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 bounced before they blew up, so it's like, uh, they don't die, die. Yeah, that's that's awesome because I know that they're coming back. If you go by strings theory, what? They coming back next season? I hope so, honestly. Yeah. Because what it is is, out of all the crazy sci-fi adventure that's going down with the Umbrella Academy, yes. Every time we get to Hazel. I feel like that is our grounded for reality. That's our foot in the door. He is speaking to the audience or speaking for the audience because we don't know how it feels to get people to do what we want by saying, I heard a rumor. Yeah. We don't know how it feels yeah. to talk to our dead parents, but we know how it feels to finally be tired of going to the same job every day. We know how it feels to fall in love and not care who exactly we fell in love with or how they look, but they look beautiful to us. So he was he was our surrogate for the real world. And I dug that. Because a lot of this show wasn't real-world settings. Even take away the Umbrella Academy as a whole, these people were going to the library to look up details. And then when they were going to the library, they were putting uh, newspaper clippings under a microscope. You know, Diego was going to police stations to get police reports. They weren't using the internet. Yes. So it's like, this isn't our world. Yes. You know? I mean, it's, in the world, and it's a world that deals with like time travel and stuff like that. So who knows where these briefcases are going to end up with um, the time travel in general with the Umbrella Academy and then um, Hazel and Chacha. But yeah, man, like I didn't, I, I wasn't, I didn't find myself rooting for him, but ultimately he made several choices towards the end, including um, that uh, hilarious fight that he has with Diego where he's just trying to do right and Diego's fighting him. So he gives up, he knocks out, no, sorry, five knocks out Diego. And then um, Hazel's like, here's the guns, clear his name. I just quit. So. That was a really nice moment too. He's like, listen, I'll do you one better. Here's both my guns. Yeah, take them I'm both. out. Which is an awesome continuity nod. When he, he took, left her, yeah. he took her gun. He took her gun. Um, do you think Cha Cha was was digging Hazel, or was that yes. just a, was that yes. just a love? Was that just a uh, acquaintance? Like when your boy, you know, gets married and he's just not around more, and you're kind of. You're kind I of think resentful. she started fall. I think she fell in love with him. What made me feel like she fell in love with him was the the look she gave him when he asked if they wanted to get dinner. After knowing I'm supposed to kill you and I didn't kill you anyways. Because yeah. this whole show, you saw Cha-Cha isn't and empathetic. And she did only get angry when she saw him with Hayes, with Agnes. But I thought that was just him lying because they go back to say that he's not even a through-and-through -through assassin. Sometimes he lets people go. Sometimes he lets kids go. Yeah. And um, that was brought up through Klaus. But that's something that, that gave us an inkling that Hazel might not be about this life as much as he uh, is portrayed. Nah, the whole show she had like this non-empathetic. She she was very apathetic the whole show. Yeah, like and that's why I think what what made those two together work. She was apathy. He was empathy. Yeah. So to see like her have a for her to have a moment of vulnerability, she almost drowned Agnes. Yeah. So she had a moment of vulnerability only for the the rug to be sweeped from under her. Yeah. So I would be pissed too. So I understood why why she was pissed. I really did think she was digging him. Did you like the five um, Dolores stuff? My favorite yep. scene is Luther threatening to throw Dolores out the window. That mine, mine too. I I can't not say because, because when he, he literally pulls stopped. that gun on his own brother, 
with that eagle eye sight that he had, he was going to shoot Luther. <laughs> he was going to shoot Luther to keep it. To, I mean, at this point, he had known Dolores longer than he knew Luther. Yeah, and what I like what you mentioned when we saw that episode was that he literally put all of it on hold. He put his entire mission on hold to save her. Yeah. So that's what was awesome about that scene. It's like, I know I gotta kill this person, but if if I drop this gun, I'm gonna lose my only weapon to kill this person. And he did it anyways for Dolores. Yeah. I love that. He, and he, them together was he very... Lost the, he lost the edge to keep his love, and then he was able to bring her back when he realized that he needed another life past this. The five was definitely an MVP. I liked him getting drunk and falling asleep. Okay, was that young. was <laughs> one of the best just didn't even have, you could not have had any dialogue just show me it the best was seeing a 10 year old with a margarita in his hand next to a half of a mannequin with a margarita next to her that is gold absolutely gold to me all right i think it's time to get to our final uh big big character the final two big characters ellen page plays vanya hargreaves number seven the white violin a meek violinist with no apparent supernatural abilities, which somehow and somewhat alienated her from her siblings. Uh, in reality, she she possesses the power to convert sound waves into destructive force, an ability her father suppressed with drugs uh, to keep her out of danger. How do you feel about Vanya? You, I think you've, you've uh, made this comparison before, but you said you get real Jean Grey vibes. I get nothing but Jean Grey vibes from her. It's It was literally the, the premise of X3. Uh-huh. It, it it was the whole, you know, when I found Jean, she was a very strong girl, and the, the more she got older, the stronger she got, so what I did was I had to find a way to suppress the, the rage inside of her, and that's literally what Hardgraves did, yes. was he knew trying to train her and trying to teach her to, to harness her powers was a fool's errand, and at this point, he's like, you know what, I'm just gonna give you Zoloft, just, mm-hmm. you know, here's your pills, there's nothing special about you, stay away from me, stay away from everybody. I mean, she was literally killing. I, I I don't think she was killing real people. I think they were just like uh, different. What were those real people she was killing? The nannies, or were they different yes. robots? No, those were real people. Those were all real people. Grace became a robot because she could, they could not get her human anymore. Uh, nanny. Yeah, and so I think a lot of I think a lot of the question relies in how much of a how much do you think destruction is part of her personality versus um, how much she was driven to that. Because you would say that she was driven to kill Pogo and almost kill Allison and stuff like that. But no, ultimately, that she was driven to. Everything but, else was just but, child but acting out. But can you out. say that when you see her, you know, damn near stab Reginald in the eye with his own monocle, you know, um, kill a couple nannies, like get people, people piss her act, off. Kids act out, though. Kids act, the thing is, there's no. I don't, yeah, don't I get don't it twisted. I'm not saying she deserved any evil. of this. Yeah, I don't yeah. think kids are born evil. You cannot be born evil. That's taught. Okay. That's that. That's something that you can stop. So if she was born with a little bit of a bipolar disorder, with this rage in her, you mm-hmm. can teach her to 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 put it in more better ways. You could have given her the violin without giving her the pills, and just say only play the violin in a safe area when you're feeling the anger. Okay. That room that he made for her that was soundproof. Instead of locking her in that room, give her the violin and put her in that room every day for at least an hour. So she can learn how to harness her her emotions, and that's what uh, Leonard was trying to do was get her to control her emotions. He ultimately, I mean, she ultimately, um, I feel like, oh, I'm sorry, he ultimately. When I mean talking about Reginald Hargreaves, he ultimately did not have like a a full failsafe for her. This was At like all. a quasi failsafe 
that would eventually unravel and then he would have to try to fix it from there. How do you feel about um, him using Allison to rumor her into... into the lies don't stop with this man! Oh my god! Yeah, it's true, man. He got his own daughter in on it and she didn't even really know the extent of what she was doing because they were all the same oh, age. I don't, were, I don't even... Come on. Come. They were all the same age, so they were all like four. And, and if somebody said, you just need to do this, you understand? But the, this is but, not this yeah, is but, not six cents where she's pouring this the no. gasoline in the in the in the in the chicken soup. You understand? But it, um her her being an accomplice, I don't think she's guilty for that. Yeah, but she even said it herself is like I always knew that he asked me to do something weird, but I never understood till just now. What do you mean? You literally said I heard a rumor that you're not special. But if you that's didn't, mess, but that's if you didn't up. think, but if you didn't think that she was special. Because we never saw Vanya use those powers around her siblings. And so if they had no idea that she had these powers, and if Reginald was giving her own private lessons, and then he's just like, oh, you know, tell your, tell your sister what I've told you, which is that she's not special. Then it's all there. But then when she says, I have powers, you see her click it. She goes, like she bats her eyes or whatever. She goes, like, oh, snap. All of this is starting to make a lot of sense. Yeah, but you could see in the child actor that was playing Allison, you see the the like the weariness in her face, like the hesitantness about it. Because she it. doesn't know what she's doing, and you know but she knows it's a power. I think she knew. I had. I, there's I, I no way she's on Allison's side because I feel like she understood that she has a power and that her power makes her do things, but she doesn't necessarily understand why her father wants her to do this Maybe to that, her sister. I'll, I'll defend that on that. Like, like she didn't understand why she had to do it. But she knows she did something to uh, to Vanya that was not right. Right, but then you forget about it. It's been it's literally been years, right? And then she writes a book like, "I know I'm not special." So it's like, "Yeah, we we knew that. We knew that when you were a kid." And then I need when that she starts book. doing stuff, I want to read that right? book. And the book is uh, that's comic accurate. It happens in the comics as well. Uh, you know, she writes that book. So that's something that's that's you just know that it's hinted to that that book which she was being like very like you know passive aggressive about everybody. Is this a baby Hitler situation? Is this a you have to stop her permanently because you do you can't? I don't think can't. people are born evil. I just okay. like I like you know what's crazy is like I but, but then with, with all with this all power, can she be all good? And what's going to be the one thing to set her off, in which she's going to decide that she, because she has the power, she has the responsibility to do X Y. Get a training room. Get a training room. But who's going to train her? Who can stop her? Train yourself. You, you, I think Vanya as a person, because she grew up without having powers, uh-huh. knows right from wrong. Yeah. Like, she knows, okay, killing is wrong. Okay, if I, if someone's trying to help me and I'm just being this bad person towards them, this is but wrong. But where does that happen while she's blowing up the mansion? No, because at that point, she, she's been lied to her whole life. And this is where I get, like, why she why they made her into a bad guy towards the end. And she's a bad guy in the comics as well. Because she was lied to her whole life. Right. And now that she figured out, every, like, you know, that she was the strongest of all of them, she could have been number one. She could have been the favorite. She could have had this awesome life. So you think life. she honestly believes that, that they felt threatened by her power, and therefore she had to live a lesser existence because had she been treated at her power level she probably would have eclipsed them yes okay. yeah it's the it's the gene gray problem yeah how strong it has it always been stated that gene gray is yeah. so why is it always when you see her she's handicapped to be this damsel in distress well, let's talk about who brings it out of her john magaro plays your boy land danowitz land danowitz Le- Le- leonard leonard peabody Ha- A.K.A. Harold Jenkins. God, Two horrible why, names. Why, They're both horrible. I names. mean, okay, 
why of all ass names Peabody? I don't trust anybody named Peabody. Oh, red flags since day one. That's all I want to say. You are up. To, yeah, you, you, you kind of. I said you, it since the second he walked in and said hi. I'm, I'm actually here I th- for my lesson. I actually, nope, thought, I actually nope. thought he was going to be inconsequential. I was really thinking that this was going to be more of the murder mystery slash apocalypse. Uh, a mystery. Problem is, yeah. it's it's Hollywood's way of how they paint bad guys. Um, yeah. uh, surprise twist, bad guys. They always come in in super that nice, super it's, it, predictable kind. The, of. Their hair is in this gruffy way. They have this quirky, clumsy personality to them. Like they're always <laughs> there at the right time. They're yeah, always saying exactly. The right thing. They're yeah. they are always there at the right moment. Every time the character just had this like emotional battle with somebody in their life, here comes Mister Nice Guy to say. Oh, don't worry. I think you're special. Forget what they say. You're the best, you know. And and then it just sweeps the rug from under you to well, make it first with the first with the uh, syndrome of it all. That's exact. That's exactly <laughs> how they sweep the rug from you. When when it, when it goes to his backstory, I'm like, dude, did they really do the "you're not my sidekick" angle from The Incredibles? Yeah, because as a kid, he really dug. He was a super fan of the Umbrella Academy. And I guess because of his shitty childhood, his mother died during birth, and his father always resented. Wait, wasn't he one of the kids that was born on that he day? He was born on the same day, yeah. Yeah, what well, he was born. And so he felt a little bit more entitled to that life because he Wait, wasn't he born, but like not like he was actually a planned birth. Yeah, he was an actual planned birth. He wasn't one of the forty-three mysterious. But to people. him, what's the difference, right? If everyone, if what got these people in here is that they were all born on the same day and then they were chosen, why am I not chosen? Why, you know? What sets me apart? But the real question to ask is, do you think that he's um, justified? I mean, we see. What I'm saying is we saw Banya react to her trauma. Is Leonard Harold doing the same or is he being malicious? I think he was malicious by going after the Umbrella Academy themselves. Okay. Like, like, let's say he and he, trying to weaponize. Let's say he to got so. his, his revenge on Hardgraves. Yeah, and the monocle is now dead, and you, you, uh, your revenge has been satisfied. All right, cool. But the fact that you took it out to destroy the entire Umbrella Academy from the inside uh, on some Zemo stuff, what was no? Now you're not justified. You know, you were you were justified when they were fighting with each other and they wanted nothing to do with them. Now you're getting their sister to blow up the mansion. You gotta chill. Yeah, that's a that's a bit much. Um, definitely an enabler. Definitely an abuser. His enablement is what got Pogo killed. So right then and there, it's it's a no go for me. Yeah. Like I, I, but I do like him <laughs> as a kid when he the way he killed his dad. It was just yeah. so great. You you he just hits him like three times with a hammer on the head from the, the pointy end too, the nail ripper part. I don't even know what to call it. But what I did like about him the most was how much he act. I, I felt that even though if he was evil and he had a plan, I did feel like his affection for Vanya was sincere. I've heard people say that. I don't know how I feel about that. I I think it might be like the murders, bro. Like he murders that woman, this chair, and he murders the 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 uh, the uh, witness from the the scene that he orchestrated. Where oh yeah, he, he got himself up beat up on purpose and loses an eye. Like he he was definitely a creep, and I kind of had my thing going off when he was inside the house when he took her keys and put flowers in her house. He poured, or whatever. He poured her pills down the drain. 
That's the no, that was the reveal. And when then the he next reveal, his pill, when he poured his pills down the drain, I felt like such a genius because I called it that but he then was he a gave bad him guy. The cookie the next episode, she gave him the cookie because because he she got the gig, she got the the violin thing, and he because he her. killed the girl to get the, that's what I'm see saying. What I, like, like it's it's so weird. He does these things for Vanya, and you're like, wow, that seems actually genuine. Like you kind of do like her, but on the off on the other side, it's everything that you're doing for her is evil. He was kind of talking to her like he was talking to himself. Had he had his younger self realized he had powers. Like, you're not what your father's telling you. You're not what anyone else is telling you. You deserve more. Go get more. Go get more. Go get more. And she's like, I don't want more. I don't think I deserve more. And yeah, definitely manipulative. How do you feel about his death? <laughs> Pin cushion style. That was so awesome. He deserved it. I'm glad that they didn't wait for the last minute for it. No, I'm glad they killed him when they killed him. I'm glad that she didn't need much convincing. She just did like connected the dots. I'm like, oh no, this is you. Well, at this point, she thought in her head that she killed her sister. Yeah. And to find out that she killed her sister because of him. Oh my god. That everything that his sister, her sister, was saying to her was the truth. What a sleazeball reaction he had when he saw Allison on the floor gasping with blood, even though she should have probably died. He just, he's like, oh, hey, hey, we gotta go, we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta get out of here. Yo, my God. He's like, no, just leave her. Leave her. Leave her. I'm sorry, but if I was window, yeah. there's no way I'm leaving my sister while I just slit her throat with a violin bow thinking that it was my hand. Yeah, because even if you thought you killed her, you definitely killed her if you left her there. Yeah. Like, that's that's the death sentence when you leave her there. Uh, had they taken any more longer, but I'm pretty sure she could have been down there for 12 hours, I guess, with, and still been fine, because she was fine. They zipped her back up. She was good. In the comics, Shaking there are various her. weird things that happen at one point. Okay, so you know in the comics, um, well, you haven't got up to this yet, but there's a scene in the, in the show where she becomes the white violin, and she's basically attacking a bunch of people with her powers, her musical powers. Uh, they shoot her in the head. Instead of shoot, instead of told me that. Instead of shooting next to her ear to give her tinnitus and then she like can't. in the show yeah. yeah they shoot her in the head she just recovers from it uh hazel and cha-cha shoot klaus in the head and he recovers from it at one point somebody says with the way our family reacts to shots in the head i'm not surprised it's a thing so maybe they're just trying to be a little bit more tough than others i, I kind of find like that that's like a humor thing yeah like i kind of i kind of dig that where it's like shots to the head don't work yeah <laughs> Yeah. But um, violin bows to the ne- even violin bows to the neck don't work. Vanya, we love you, girl. You didn't have to flip out, but she did. She flipped out. But what did you think about the domino effect? What do you think about the gunshot, the random shooting of energy that shoots out to the moon? Kind of seems like it just left, so what does it matter? And then you realize why it does matter. It's crumbled the moon and sending a humongous chunk of, of moon rock uh, careening towards Earth. I think the pacing of which that ending happened was what made me, like, open my eyes. Like, wow, that's brilliant. Because it was like, uh, Luther is running from one side. Klaus is running from the sh- from the front. front. Uh, uh, Diego is running from the other side. And she five. swipes all, f- all four of them. All of her brothers are and running. Five, yeah. Yeah, and all she, of her brothers are running towards them. her. Yeah. And she just swipes. They're all gone. And then, you know... Uh, What's your name? Allison. Uh, Allison's right there with the gun. Right, and I'm, I told you, I'm like, holy crap, are they going to shoot her in the head? Are they going to shoot and her in the head? And that was beautiful for cinematography, too, because you only see her and then they move to the side. That's what it was. The camera literally moves to the right. Yeah. And you just see her crying with the gun in her hand. 
And I'm just like, what? And even what? Then, what? Even then, they choose life. Even then, they chose to save her. And as she opposed to- does the gun. And I, that's why I like the beam. What I loved about the beam was that was the energy going all over the place. Like before, she was able can't to, destroy energy. She controlled it. It like can she, only go somewhere else. It can so, only convert and go somewhere so else. So when she shot her in the ear and she got like scared, I felt that that was her energy, like um, being defensive, like okay. that that uh defense mechanism thing. Like, okay. Like how pufferfishes blow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what her defense mechanism was for being attacked. Energy shoots everywhere, and that's why that one light went into the moon. Just great. And so the world is going to end, but they decide at the very last minute to use five powers to go to some unknown place in time. And that's, I guess, where season two is going to drop off. They're, uh, they're probably going to when she was a kid. Do you have predictions? Yes, actually. Go ahead, bro. Uh, my prediction is going, we are, we are finally going to get the Umbrella Academy. And what I mean by that is I think they're going to go back in time to a, to a point in time where right before Hardgrave's suppresses Vanya's powers. Yeah. And they're going to try and do all that they can to convince not only Hardgraves to help train her, but even if Hardgraves doesn't want to, they're going to do all they can to train on their own to pr- try and prevent this because that's what uh, number five said. He's like, the world is always going to end and Vanya's always going to be the reason unless we stop her from the beginning. Yeah. So I would love to see all ten episodes of the Umbrella Academy as kids fighting, being on missions. Actually, Vanya Like there. a young X-Men kind of deal? I would love to see Vanya come in. I know it's not a violin, but I would just love her to see her come in with something more mobile yeah. and not cumbersome. Because yeah. it's weird to walk into a bank robbery scene strumming a violin. It's, Maybe she could have a triangle. I was thinking about a flute. <laughs> yeah. Or a clarinet. Too. Yeah. It's so much easier to just come in with a clarinet holding it like that. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But my number one prediction is going to be we're going to get a season of kids. Okay. And it's going to be them trying to be trying to be a family family. The only thing I have, I, more than a prediction, is kind of what I want. I want to know what happened to the rest of them 40 kids. There's See, I want a lot of kids born on the same day. He only got seven of them. That's a whole lot left. Do the rest of them have powers? What's going on with the rest of them? What caused the birth? Maybe we get more of those answers in season See, two. That's what, that was what's weird for me. Is like, I think maybe, I think the fact that it was just, Random pregnancy that sprouted out of nowhere is what gave them the powers, and that's why Landanowitz don't have no powers. Is because yeah. he wasn't born out of thin air; he was yeah, a, yeah, he yeah. was a contraceptive birth. Definitely, yeah. And his that his mother dying through his natural birth, and ev- all the other parents, and all the other mothers surviving through the unknown birth, is what. It's unfair, it's almost. Like, it, it, it's like it, it's like opposite side of the coin. It's so yeah. awesome. The juxtaposition yeah. is. There. And he used a lot of that his inner knowledge after studying that book. To play her like that, you know, and damn that that. What I would like, Harold Jenkins, though, with more Harold Jenkins, if we get Harold Jenkins in season two, like they just show another, alive, yeah. like they, or like because we're going back in time, right. I would love to see Harold Jenkins as a teen. Yeah. What I well, he doesn't. You don't see him as a teen because he goes to jail. Oh, that's right. That's right. He's going to jail for like thirteen yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in jail for that, that seventeen the, the entirety of. All oh, the whole time that they yeah. were yeah. kid. Yeah. Yeah. What I would write as my own fanfic is, is at thirteen he got arre- he got arrested for killing his father. And seventeen years later, he comes out at thirty and starts his mission to get back. Yeah, you see him with the Cape Fear thing where he's like working out inside yeah. the, the, the cell. That's weird. But he I'd like to see him as him going nephews. around killing the other thirty-two people that were born. I can see that. I would love to just see just a one-man band just going around the whole world, just studying, finding, doing research. Okay, 
uh, this person was born on my birthday in Latveria for no other reason. I'm going to go there and assassinate him because I don't like people that I don't like those kinds of people. I would love that. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed this series as a whole. I'm glad that you got me into it. Well, that means, you know, hopefully you'll be around and we'll be, we'll be around to be able to do the second season. Yeah, I'm not going into the future anytime soon, so. Well, the funny thing is, Dan, I've been to the future and uh, we become a pretty damn popular podcast. And it's actually thanks to everyone who's listening right now. So first and foremost, thank you all for listening. This is our thank 70- Thank you. Well, this is not, this is episode number 75, but this is our 76th episode. You haven't missed a single week and it's been fun, fun, fun. All for you. All for, for you, you people. It's, it's been fun. You know, we did our Avengers uh, therapy session last week. This week, doing a little bit of Dark Horse with the Umbrella Academy. We got so much stuff coming down for you guys. So you guys going to want to make sure that um, if, this, if this is your first episode, that you uh, like, share, and subscribe. Find us wherever podcasts are found. It's Podbean, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, the Apple Podcast app if you have an iDevice and if guys, you have a regular phone. we are the greatest thing to come to the podcast media we are the comic book click and we can't exist without your likes and subscribes it's true man we don't do this for us i this is the word of mouth that i got but you guys have the word the true word of mouth tell a friend to tell a friend like um if you dig in this maybe you can listen listen to it with somebody you love your allison your um what's your agnes or your leonard peabody (laughs) and you and um yeah maybe you guys will get even closer because of it uh, once you're there, once you've liked, shared, and subscribed, and you listen to our whole plethora of episodes, do us a favor and rate and review us on iTunes. It's the quickest way for other uh, podcast listeners to find us, and it's our quickest way to learn how to um, grow as podcasters, find out what you guys like and what you guys don't. Um, so go ahead and do that. But we want an interactive show. We want your guys' thoughts. And whenever you guys oh, write yes, in, yes, yes, whenever you guys write in, I try to do my uh, due diligence to express your opinions on the podcast. So if you guys would like to write in on any of the things we've covered, you can do so by writing in at uh, comboclick at gmail.com. But across social media, we are at facebook.com slash comboclick, Instagram at comboclick, or use the hashtag comboclick to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're at Major Issue CBC on the Twitter. We have all kinds of news and memes and all kinds of things going down there. So if you have Twitter, hit us up there. All of those links are in the show notes, so you can reach us in a variety of ways. And please do, because the click is growing. I've been to the future. I can't tell you guys too much, but with your help, we grow and we become the podcast we are destined to be, which is the greatest thing to happen to uh, comic books and comic book media. But my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am Dan, the comic man. And... uh, whether it, oh, and this has been our Umbrella Academy season one recap, and I hope to see you guys for the season oh, you guys, two. We're going back and forward in time to make sure you guys are there for season two. And whether or not you're in a weird space alien, a talking chimpanzee, a person with a chimpanzee's basic body, uh, whether you can talk to the dead, you throw knives and love your robotic mother, whether you heard a rumor, you're the horror. Whether you just want to open up donuts and a donut shop and look at birds, vegan donuts though, bro. Vegan, vegan donuts? donuts. Yeah, we'll talk. Who about would that do off. that to a donut? We'll talk. Oh, we'll talk about that off air. Whether you just want some coffee and your mannequin, or whether your entire life people told you you were just ordinary. Remember, you're extraordinary. Remember that you are part of the clique, and always remember that you, yes, you, are worthy.